welcome back adoring listeners this is jay here and welcome back to our over manga cast that time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga our heated adventures over analyzing manga we find interesting on this episode we read frankenfran volumes one and two written by katsuhisa kikitsu Welcome to the Overmanga Cast. My name is Sam. As always, here at the top of the show, we talk about what our familiarity with the franchise we read this week is. Frank and Fran is one of those things where it, it comes up every October, and it came up particularly when it was like first coming out and you know had its initial surge in popularity. And it looked like one of those things where I wasn't sure if I would like it. Like it seemed to hit some of my horror buttons like uh body horror and uh weird x-files stuff but like i I just wasn't sure and so i never really sought it out and well now here we are seen a lot of the reaction images though very funny how about you jacob honestly i don't i don't know if i've ever even heard of frank and fran before it was mentioned in passing on another episode of this show like i might have heard the name before but i don't actually recall hearing about it you know this is my first meaningful exposure to it how about you matt okay so uh i absolutely adored frank and friend when i read it in high school it was one of those books that i noticed in a barnes and noble i then read the entirety of in the barnes and noble because i was much too embarrassed uh, to buy it based on the fact its cover is very sexy go google what frank and friends covers look like they are gratuitous (laughs) to a degree i i used to have the opinion that i thought they were completely ill-fitted for the series but on this reread i've actually noticed that that the inside of the book jacket on the digital version uh is much clearer to see it's actually like part of the series is like oh yeah look at this real sexy image and then when you open up to the inside page it does a weird body horror version of what was on the front page. And I'm like, that's very Frank and Fran. It's like, oh, yeah. hey, get sucked into with this. Nope, this isn't actually sexy. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it makes sense. But that does not change the fact that uh, a younger me was too embarrassed to buy this at a bookstore. So mm-hmm. I wish I had bought the physical version, because if you look on Amazon, they are going for $250. Big oof. And Jay. Uh, yeah, so I... Like Matt, also read Frank and Friend in high school, and I'm a big fan. I love it. It's the best. Anyone else who disagrees can fight me. The end. <laughs> well, uh, I don't think there will be a bloodbath this episode. It's the Frank and Friend episode. It's a bloodbath by default. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scribe with Jay in the comments when this goes up on YouTube. <laughs> One of the things that I actually really appreciated about this is that it is an anthology series and i'm a huge fan of the twilight zone so i really like anthology horror this has a strong like twilight zone um almost a little bit of uh, x-files too mm-hmm. in that like um each of these chapters could basically be called like a medical case because it's they're all structured in pretty much the same way of someone comes to fran with a problem 
she solves it with surgery. The conclusion happens. Most of the time, it doesn't end the way that the person wanted or expected. Yeah, yeah. Fran has really big uh, gin, genie energy to her. Yeah. And it's not even malicious. And I think that makes me like it even more. Well, because as we get established in the first chapter before the case actually gets involved, um, Fran, um, the titular character, uh, is the quotation marks here daughter of a uh, famous doctor uh dr madaraki madaraki yep dr madaraki who's like a famous famous doctor that people come from all the world to like be... well famous or infamous both um, <laughs> yes. Uh, yes yes the answer is yes <laughs> and um she is uh a Frankenstein monster, uh, pretty obviously, because she's got the stitches. And also because when she performs surgery, she can attach two extra arms. So two extra sets of arms. Whatever is appropriate. She becomes the arachnid. She has eight limbs. Yeah. Well, I think actually, I think the maximum we've seen is uh, eight total arms. So even more so. Yeah, Mm, that's a that's a squid at that point. Hey, I need more hands for this. Like, what do you want? Well, I'm I'm getting off base with my original point was I think a lot of what she's doing is um the first case she's very excited to this person who wanted the doctor's help. She's like, no, I'm I'm just as capable. I can do it, please. And like I think all of her help comes from an earnest place of like, I think I can do this, and mm-hmm. then not really having the wisdom to realize no, I cannot. Because a lot of her problems she comes away from thinking she solved completely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, that's part of the horror of it, though, is yeah, exactly. She, I mean, she does solve the problem. Like, if you're thinking logically, yes, she subtracts perhaps the morality of it or applies her own version of morality to it that doesn't align with the greater humanity side of it. It works, right? Uh, usually it's the consequences she doesn't think of. But the thing that's even further is that most of the time, the people that come to her asking for help don't think about the consequences either. Mm. And in a lot of cases, people are um, like the bad things that happen to people with a couple of exceptions. The bad things that happen to people is because they're not thinking about what they're asking for. And Fran just does the thing that she's asked. This is Mm -hmm. exactly what I was asked. I must have solved the problem. Yeah, there are also a couple of occasions where um, I do get the impression that like when Fran, she is she is very sweet and she thinks the best of people. And while she does have her moments of full on naivete, there are also cases where she shows that she's not exactly like she's not a complete airhead because she can catch when someone is like has nefarious purposes and there are a couple occasions where Fran very directly and intentionally pulls a uh, monkey's paw wish on someone to to punish mm-hmm. them it, it doesn't happen often but there are a couple of cases where it's very on purpose i think the best way to describe fran is that she has never read a michael crichton novel in her entire life and <laughs> doesn't intend to <laughs> Yeah, she only asks if she can, not if she should. The way I always describe Fran is she is an idealist and a romantic, not in the typical human way, because she really romanticizes like the beauty of what science can perform Mm. (laughs) while also being an actual romantic, because she's all about like, oh, you really love him. And also uh, it does. It comes up very rarely in what we've read. But I think one chapter in particular, uh, she has a side hobby of reading romance novels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. 
And this has all been a very good establishing the base of what we're working with as we get into the first chapter, which starts with a very rich man uh, whose son tragically died in a car accident. And uh, the famed Dr. Uh, Madaraki is the only person skilled enough in the art of in the art of medicine to even revive the dead. Dr. Madaraki isn't here, so he's got Fran. He's not sure about at first if he can trust this girl. And then th her eye falls out of her head. And then he's very sure he can't trust her. <laughs> <laughs> she she stands up with this mo with like, it's the classic fist clenched determined expression. You've seen it in every shonen anime expression. Like, I entrust this important task to me i can do it except her eyeballs are literally falling out of her head yeah. and, and pointing down into the cup of tea oh, i hate it when that happens <laughs> <laughs> that dang eyeball the the rich guy and his uh sec secretary assistant i don't know they run screaming because of course and uh <laughs> They meet the rest of the Cronenberg horrors that live in Chateau de Madaraki. A handsome guy's head pops out from around a corner telling them, no, don't be worried. Fran is actually quite skilled, except his head is way lower than it should be. And then the rest of his cat body walks out. It's a human head on a cat body. Look, when I said I was into cat boys, this isn't what I meant. <laughs> <laughs> the, the best part is Okita which is the character's name, um, is normally the voice of reason. I love Okita so much. He's just like, Fran, you being crazy. <laughs> but also, I'm a cat, so I don't care. <laughs> he has a human head, but I... He has cat personality traits. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And then we don't know if, you know, was he originally a human who had a cat body and has obviously over the years assumed more cat-like traits, or is it the other way around? And was he actually cat? Did yeah. uh, was Look, he a cat given a human brain? Considering what we've seen of Fran's other uh, creations, I guess, because <laughs> um, everyone who's not Okita looks like they came out of a BDSM monster fetishist school. Like, <laughs> wow, way to expose your reading, your reading habits, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> OK, I, <laughs> like the butler with the bloodhound head. <laughs> Oh, yeah. he's actually pretty normal. I was he's talking actually about, like, the most normal person in the series. Exactly. He really did be. D Dog Butler is actually way more normal than Okita, actually. <laughs> the yeah. the other ones are what I'm referring to, because there's a lot of people who are just in various states of like leather suits and zippers. Lots yeah. of zippers and belts. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, now I know what you're getting. Well, at. I mean, we've already uncovered that her favorite pastime is reading romance novels. So it makes well, sense. Mm, no, this this novel predates Fifty Shades of Grey. So the romance genre had a different tilt back then. <laughs> had a different inclination. But hey, maybe this is the inspiration. <laughs> I don't know if you've read Fifty Shades of Grey, Jacob, but I, I'm just assuming there's not a lot of like um, reconstructing people into ungodly crimes against nature. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if there was i would read it like I, yeah, maybe if there was it'd be actually Same. interesting why was david cronenberg not involved in the 50 shades of gray movie that's what i want to know <laughs> <laughs> really Ooh. cronenberg this one up morty this is my playroom it's where i keep these horrible monsters blah. <laughs> 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 anyway, we cut to rich dude back at his house considering his options, and we learned that the uh, the accident that killed his son was no accident because um, 
rich dude's father bequeathed the family fortune to rich dude's son aka dad's grandson he's kind of salty about it because his father obviously purposely skipped him he's real salty about it salty enough to have his son murdered but uh the like heat of the police investigation is going to be too much or i don't think there's even like a police investigation he just wants to cover his tracks well, so, no, 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 no. He he needs a, his son back to get the fortune because what he wants. Here's a clause. Yeah, yeah. What what he wants is he doesn't think Fran can do this. He's just saying if you can get me something with a pulse, we can say he's in a coma, and then I get the fortune because he's still alive. Right. Because otherwise, it goes to charity. Yeah. But unfortunately, um, he accepted, he gave Fran the job. So she busts into his office going like, I figured out how to do this. We're doing this now. What's going on? What, what do you mean? What do you mean you know how to do this? What is this going to involve? Wait, why do you have that syringe? No, get away from me. I need local anesthesia. Don't worry. Here is father. I'm sure you do anything for him. I never said that. <laughs> All right. And I've got him anesthetized. Let's go. And she pulls his brain and spinal cord out. I just felt like shivers because I'm like, this is a local anesthetic. Mm. <laughs> Frank, Frank and Fran has a very loose definition of what an anesthetic can do. And I'm yeah. not sure if that's in universe or not. Um, <laughs> Me neither. I could but see Fran just not caring. <laughs> one of the things that uh, swiftly becomes apparent in this manga is that the manga could clearly learned how to draw human anatomy and musculature really, really well and is super proud of it. <laughs> yep. And it's flexing. And it's flexing. You might even say that uh, Frank and Fran is the equal and opposite of Baki. <laughs> <laughs> the, the amount of times Fran performs a procedure and you're like, oh, I know probably what you do with that. And then she proceeds to cut a person's skull in half and you're like, that seems like you didn't need to do that. <laughs> <laughs> that seems slightly excessive, but let's see where it goes. How dare you? How dare you second guess Fran? She knows what she's doing. You're, you're, you're right. I, I, technically, I have just as many medical degrees as she does, which is zero. <laughs> <laughs> which constantly comes up. You're not a doctor. <laughs> to be fair, pretty much everyone she operates on is technically alive by the end. Yeah, yeah. I do got to say big props to Fran in that she does very often give very thorough disclaimers yeah yeah no, she, that's she, the other thing <laughs> she'll she'll spend an entire page going okay i'm not a doctor this is highly experimental do you understand yeah <laughs> this could go very badly are you still willing to go through with it and then well, they never think about the consequences just like fran you you she needs to establish her genie powers at the beginning <laughs> like once you have admitted to this bargain <laughs> Well, I mean, to preface this, it's for a lot of cases, they have sought others and either the others ethically wouldn't do it or it's too expensive or they don't have the time is or they don't have the it. time. So it's like they could have consulted an actual qualified professional. Some of them actually did try that. Mm. To be fair, though, there are at least a few of them which just straight up don't think about it and it's like yes just do it without thinking about it and it's like those tend to be the the ones who have uh the the fewest moral scruples and end up the worst like in this particular case yeah because um we cut from the middle of the surgery to uh the rich guy waking up in bed head swathed in bandages yep and 
it is unwrapped to reveal that Fran has attached his dead son's brain to the back of his head because she gives a little bit of like medical explanation. It, it's techno babble is what it really is. But like it, yeah. it's mm-hmm. it's just enough to keep the illusion that this is still possible. It, yeah, it maintains it, it, suspension of disbelief. Yeah. Well, I mean, she does preface before she even conducts their um, procedure that, you know, he's asking me to revive his son. And which is impossible. Says, it's impossible. Like, just flat out. But I can certainly mimic life. You can bring a dead body back to life, but a a human life is more complicated than the machinery of the body. And what what she essentially has done is his his son's head has been attached to the back of his head, and she medical jargons away, I have connected your brains together so yours is acting like a generator to his, and, like, it is being kept alive by your thoughts of him and those memories of him are going into his brain and that is maintaining and activating the, the neurons yeah. which is the closest semblance to him coming back as he was in life which mm. would really be probably what a grieving father would want in like the most he could do in this situation unfortunately this is a person who murdered his son and the backside of his head knows that he murdered him <laughs> and is going like I'll never be away from you again, father. So you can never forget you killed me. It's literally like living with your guilt personified forever. (laughs) It is. It is like the single most literal version of telltale heart you could possibly imagine. (laughs) And with Fran sitting on the balcony of her, of the mansion, sipping some tea and imagining wistfully, oh, what a beautiful and loving reunion it must be. Yep. And, and that establishes the formula. Fran walks into problem, solves problem with Cronenberg powers. We see the horrible, uh, <laughs> twisted consequences of the of the solution. And then it's Fran just wistfully imagining things are perfectly fine, which on mm-hmm. occasions they are. Most of the time yeah. they're not. <laughs> It's because she has the romanticized version like in this and this carries over to other episodes, other chapters, obviously, of, you know, father in some relationship. They obviously love each other so much. Not realizing the nuance here is, well, obviously he caused the misfortune that has befallen them. And there's another layer to it because like Fran and like this is something that's pretty consistent because like even when Fran is presented with like maybe things aren't quite as they seem because there are a couple of cases where um, I forget the the cat guy's name. Okita. Okita. There there are cases where Okita is like something about this is kind of shifty. Are you sure you want to do that? And it's like she assumes the best of everyone. And to be fair, like she had no reason to think this, but it never occurs to her that like you know, the dad killed the son or anything like she just assumes that he's going to these lengths entirely for the sake of, you know, his son. She just assumes the best of everyone. Because why would you think that a parent would be so callous as to murder their child? Yeah, Fran is a romantic idealist is Mm -hmm. really the she's not always that. But that's what you get with an anthology series is sometimes (laughs) characters have to be slightly different to get the plot of the week together. But I so, think I think the thing about it is that um, Fran is usually presented as naive, but I think I, I think that it's less that she is like dipping out of character for a story more as she isn't as naive. She just chooses to believe in people in spite of evidence in some cases. She is 
almost psychotically optimistic. Yeah, almost psychotic. (laughs) (laughs) She is a little psychotic, which I'll ascribe to the fact that Fran has a morality that does not exactly match up with human morality. Yeah. Oh, we have to remember that Fran herself is not human. Yeah, she's not. Yes. So, I I mean, it. Yeah. Technically, yeah, sure. Yeah, um, she definitely has human components, yes. <laughs> she's made of humans. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so we cut to the next case um, where a girl is being confessed to in an abandoned building um, by a kind of nerdy-looking guy, uh, Tajime? Tajima? Tajima. Tajima. Tajima is his name, yeah. But um, uh, he, she is rejecting him pretty harshly, essentially mm. saying, you creep, you took me out to this abandoned place for this? Ew, mm. don't you understand how far out of my league, you, uh, uh, how far out of my league you are? Jeez, uh, no, uh, other way around. The, how, the far out of, yeah, how far out of um, my league you are? Your league I said I the same <laughs> sentence again. <laughs> of your league, I am. Anyway, she's not paying attention, so she walks into the road and gets isekai'd by Chuck-kun. Yeah, um, <laughs> lots, lots of people get hit by trucks in this, which in all fairness, that is the number one killer of people in Japan, I think, actually, so fair. It's always uh, Fran's, Fran's pharmaceutical truck, it always is. <laughs> yeah, what, what happens is um, Fran arrives at this crime scene very quickly, uh, to the point that the girl's brain has not fully died yet, like, because... Mm-hmm. The problem with the first case, when she was like, I can't revive him, he's been dead too long, that's not a thing that can happen. This time, she's like, yeah, we could probably save her. And then also says like, oh, she got hit by a truck. Oh, no, I did have a delivery of medical parts. Yeah, let's just solve this problem before you start asking some questions. We might be liable. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, she is very but, litigious. But but uh, Fran asks uh, Tajima, do you truly love her? And he says, yes. And she says, okay. What I'm going to do to save her life, it is it's going to change her. She's not going to look the way that you remember. Are you willing to do that? Are you willing to deal with that? And he's like, yes, I am. It's like, for one, he's not family. (laughs) He is not her family. So he can't really sign off on this, but whatever. And (laughs) like, okay, this seems like this seems like his sweet, pure love. I'm uh, I'm going to do my best to preserve this. Let's begin the procedure. And she uh, turns the girl into a caterpillar. A a giant, like... Squirmy caterpillar. With caterpillar with, body proportional to uh, the human head. Li- literally with just her face on it. Just her head, yeah. And of course the girl wakes up and flips the <laughs> out because who wouldn't? But uh, we see over time, given an opportunity to adjust to her new conditions. She's not exactly happy, but she's alive. So she is willing to put up with it. And she actually apologizes for flipping out on Tajima. for uh, Because he, he visits her every day. Yeah, yeah, because mm-hmm. Ta- Tajima puts his money where his mouth is when um, Fran says, do you truly love this girl? Uh, he is not scared away from the fact she is a caterpillar now. <laughs> Yeah, and he, it's like he has the very fair reaction of being like shocked. Find yourself a man who still loves you even after you're a ta- caterpillar. <laughs> Look, yeah. if you can't if you can't love me when I'm a caterpillar, you don't deserve <laughs> me at my best. <laughs> she asks him why he's so dedicated to her, and he says, "Oh, well, you probably don't even remember, but you know, look at me. I'm a fat nerd. I get bullied a lot in school, and I'm awful at." 
like physical activity. So I was pretending to be sick and hiding during sports day, but you found me and you berated me, but you told me that running away doesn't solve anything. And that actually gave me the confidence to go out and participate. And yeah, I was awful, but I didn't come in last. And I never would have found that strength if it weren't for you. And I've admired you ever since. One of the other things, when she first wakes up, she does the thing that you expect of um, blaming Tajima and like tearing into him. It's like, look at what you did to me. But like the fact that he keeps coming and, you know, like, you know, her asking why is um, a big character moment for her because she was just doing that because she was on the um, like sports club committee or something like that. Mm -hmm. She meant it. And she said it to him and it really changed him. And that's the reason why he cared about her so much. And it really touched her. Part of what, you know, the whole, you know, caterpillar body thing is um, you need physical therapy to be able to move with this body. He is there for her when she's doing that. And when uh, she's on the verge of giving up because moving the body is so difficult because it's a giant freaking caterpillar body. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like by the square cube law, it should actually collapse upon itself. But... Cronenberg powers. This is Frank and Fran. Are, are you questioning Fran's bioengineering capabilities? Yeah, right. You know what? You're right. There's a really nice montage of um, him getting her through her physical therapy, and like they grow really close over it mm -hmm. uh, until finally uh, she's starting to burn up, and Fran's just like, "Oh, well, looks like she's um, it's done well. Uh, looks like she's beginning to uh, metamorphosize as she spins a cocoon around her." Yeah, and the girl's like, wait, I can get my original body back? And Fran goes, duh, I wasn't going to just leave you like this. Yeah. <laughs> Which I I loved. That was a great panel. Yeah. That's, that's also a good panel to remind. I could totally see Fran going like, well, you're alive now, so I did my job. But also... <laughs> Yeah, uh, so she spins a chrysalis around herself and is metamorphosizing back into her human form. And a few days later, the chrysalis cracks open and she emerges as a human. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Tajima says, all right, I, she doesn't really need me anymore. She's back to normal. I'm just going to go. She's like, no, you're not leaving. You're not running away again. You were here for me. You're going to stick around. And it, it's like an honest love. It's really sweet. It, it's a really sweet scene. It was at this point where I'm like, hold on, this is ending too happily. And I yeah. looked at the page count and I'm like, okay. Yeah, and uh, dear reader, um, you know what happened. And dear listener who uh, didn't do the reading, shame, shame on, on you. you. <laughs> shame on you. This, uh, this happy ending goes off and um, we get Fran on her balcony, sipping her tea, going like, oh, those two young lovebirds, they went off. Uh, to go enjoy their um, selves together. And then she, while sipping, she's talking to Okita and then just starts musing. You know, it's kind of weird. Insects are able to just completely change themselves over. It's weird. Metamorphosis happens for a few reasons, but normally it's uh, it's for reproduction. Yeah. And uh, so those two go to sleep together and uh, we have the, the whammy panel, which happens a lot in these. And it's um, she's. The, she might have been a caterpillar metamorphosizing into what you think would be a butterfly, but seems there was a bit of mantis DNA in there. She tears open his guts and devours him. After after mating, she consumes her mate for sustenance. Yeah, I gotta say, th this that, is... This, one, this was the one I liked the least because it really f***ed me up at the end. 
Same. And in all honesty, the thing that I didn't like about it was that it was so mean spirited, which is not in line with the rest of Frank and Fran. Usually when bad things happen to people, it's because they were bad. And like Tajima was always a good person. And I don't remember the girl's name, but she she turned herself around. So the fact that they didn't really get rewarded in the end is not really in line with the rest of the series. I mean, it's it's not mean spirited. There's not like a beating down on him it's it's more like this was instinct taking over because she is apologizing mm. while doing it yeah uh, like, and it's you know it, so it's not so much mean spirit as it is easily easily one of the darkest yeah, yeah. Fran didn't think things through on her experimental procedure and was only having like a shower thought afterwards of like did i mess up Nah, mm. it's probably it's probably fine very much the case where this was definitely my least favorite because it was I, the the little coda of it being sad at the end seemed unnecessary to me but that said it was still like it was still you know it was still a shocking horror you know twist so it's like not to say that it was bad i just didn't like you know it it, it felt unnecessary to me personally yeah big agree i i really appreciated the like sudden like cannibalism out of nowhere the um, unfortunate thing is that technically tajima would have had the greater likelihood of anticipating this i mean than some random other guy that she got with <laughs> because uh, you know <laughs> would you hook up with a bug girl knowing that she just metaphor <laughs> metamorphosized he knew about the cronenberg stuff yeah it's it i think i think the reason why it didn't sit as well with me as a lot of the other ones is the fact that there was such character development given to both of these characters it seems it seems unfair is what it is. And it's like that's life sometimes. So, again, not to say that, you know, it's bad. It was just this was very noticeably my least favorite because it was mm. it, it. This one is a bit of a tonal shift because normally in Frank and Fran cases, there is something that makes the person feel deserving of their fate. Yeah. I, I, I think, though, that's kind of the point of this chapter as well, though. That's why they do so much to build up the characters is so that twist at the end is more like pain, more more knife twisting. Like the point is the pain of it. Like, yeah, like that's that's what you get with a horror anthology is sometimes things are just there. to hurt. Yeah, sometimes like, sometimes things are just there to hurt you, which, again, is why it's like this works really well as a horror anthology chapter. That said, it was my least favorite <laughs> because it, you know, did. I mean, that. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so just remember, do not hook up with butt chicks. They might eat you. I'm looking at you, specific section of the Hollow Knight fandom. <laughs> let's, move, let's move on to the next case. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, uh, this one, I, I enjoyed this one because it shakes things up again, and it, but this time in a more hopeful manner. It does a good job of establishing what I call the Frank and Fran roller coaster of <laughs> you have two chapters of like, Twilight Zone, X-Files, really horrific twists and horrid endings. And then this one is kind of it, like it's weird and it's gross and it's spooky, but it's ultimately kind of a happy ending. And then you have uh, the chapter after this one, which I call Cyberpunk 2077, but we'll get to that one in a minute. <laughs> yeah. So Frank and Fran occasionally does chapters that are meant to like parody other genres if those genres suddenly took a sharp turn into like body horror. Yeah. And this one is um, it introduces uh, the character detective girl who I'm sure mm -hmm. has a name, but as someone it's, who's yeah, it's, it's, Kuho. it's Kuho. 
it's cool. cool. I always call her Detective Girl because I recognize when this character shows up again when she does. And normally like it's... awkwardly, she and Fran are like friends because Fran has a very interesting relationship with the police department. <laughs> yeah, I, Fran has a very interesting relationship with friends, I think, is maybe a little bit generous, but <laughs> like I, a de Detective Girl's a good character because she show when she shows up, you know, oh, cool. Frank and Fran's going to do a um, like police story. How are they going to mess this up? <laughs> it's, it's never let's solve the crime. It's I mean, the funny thing is, this is this is the one that is like the yeah. least messed up, which is saying something considering how it ends. Yeah, because like. Well, let's we have we've gone a long way. What has happened is um, body parts are being discovered and they appear to be like severed and there's no like hide and hair. And they've found like a lot of them at this point. So they're they are dead convinced it's a serial killer, which fair like that is the thing you would assume. So they go to Fran because she is an expert on dismemberment, to which Fran goes. Why would you think that as she's dismembering like a room full of corpses? Um, the other thing is the point where they're like, OK, this is just straight up too weird for us. We need you know, we need to call in the 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 weird consultant is they kept finding a bunch of like they found a left leg. They found a right arm. They found another left leg. Oh, God, there's at least two bodies here. And like they have a whole bunch of different body parts. And even the ones that are multiples of the same body part all are coming back with the same DNA. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Fran. Uh, immediately notices like yeah these are actually all coming from the same thing like these parts were connected at parts because you can see um you can see the where the um where the, the suture lines were you can see the right side of all these cuts you can see healing so these were cut off someone who's alive and she's like well i better put these pieces together and we cut back to like a few days later where Fran has put the pieces back together and it's some kind of weird flesh wheel and she's like i really don't understand what's going on here this is uh this is beyond me. <laughs> it is the worst Humpty Dumpty you've ever seen. <laughs> it's it's a it's a full page panel where you're like, man, you really are good at body horror. I get that, but <laughs> <laughs> it never calms down from that point. By the by, <laughs> it's like, please kick it to Sensei. You can stop flexing now. I'm going to vomit. <laughs> Well, he's not even done in this chapter. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he's barely started in this chapter. But um, uh, so Fran and Detective Girl go on the hunt for who they assume is someone who's being held hostage and being cut up by a serial killer. I guess not a serial killer. It's a weird thing, whatever this is. There isn't a name for this yet. <laughs> like like most times with Fran, uh, the name for the crime she has committed has not been thought up yet. <laughs> we don't have a word for what this is we just know it's wrong <laughs> like... yep. but uh they come to a dilapidated home where they go in and it's run down it's dusty the furniture is destroyed it looks like something out of resident evil i love this panel because detective girl goes it's really creepy in here isn't it and fran is just idly thinking to herself huh reminds me of home <laughs> it's like yes chateau de Madaraki is exactly that kind of chateau de Madaraki is a is a mansion from resident evil i mean like let's be honest here i think the very important thing we need to point out is that every time the chateau is on panel there is a lightning strike 
Yeah. <laughs> it is literally every time it's on panel, it's a comedy beat at this point. <laughs> and I adore it. As they're investigating this abandoned house, a detective girl is too afraid to go through anything. Uh, and then Fran immediately finds uh, the source of all these limbs. A woman with a very, very pronounced... I forget the exact... Flesh mass. Sarcomas. Yeah, sarcoma. Which we get... <sighs> I, again, I wish I knew more about medicine because this seems like medical technobabble of normally you get like additional um, body parts growing. Like mm -hmm. it's just like a weird like her st her stem cells are out of control. Basically, she goes into what stem cells are. Stem cells can turn into other kinds of cells, whereas most cells after like after you're born, most of the time, like each of your cells is a specific kind of cell. The cells in your body divide to maintain themselves as a cell starts to die, a new one can replace it. And stem cells can be used if, um, you know, a part of your body gets damaged and you don't, you know, you need to um, replace parts. Like any number of your cells doesn't get the signal to stop multiplying. You get tumors. That's literally uh -huh. what tumors are. And in this case, it's a matter of um, stem cells just replicating out of control into these bizarre amalgamate body parts that just, you know, refuse to stop appearing on this poor woman's body. And she says that um, her parents didn't have the money to take her to the hospital, so they performed home surgery to cut them off. Her sarcomas grew at such an insane rate that the her parents literally couldn't hack them off fast enough. So they literally just up and left. Yep. Yeah. Her parents just didn't come home one day and she's just been sitting there in this house, like randomly yeah. cutting off the body parts and dumping them in the woods. Or in the street in some cases. Yeah. It honestly just sounds like such a freaking miserable existence. And Fran is like, wait, you're telling me you're infinitely regenerating viable human body parts? <gasps> I'll never have a material shortage again. You're coming with me. <laughs> Yeah, because I think early the thing Fran is constantly mentioning is she has run out of human corpses or spare parts. Yeah, uh, just last chapter, she, she was getting a new shipment in. She is constantly at a loss for equipment. It's, yeah, it's, it's also worth noting she refers to them as spare parts. Yes, <laughs> let's uh, let, let's maintain very, the tone here. Very often her. Uh, her operation fee is a truly exorbitant amount of money and also whatever spare organs she can harvest. I mean, to be fair, it is expensive committing crimes against nature. So like it's yes. fair. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so she takes the girl with her, with her goon squad that are, are always following her there. I love the goon squad. <laughs> if you've ever seen the movie Repo Man, they look identical to uh, the titular repo man in that like i was gonna say they kind of look like the book burners from most film adaptations of fahrenheit 451 like they're walking around in giant shiny reflective uh like foil suits mm -hmm. with little glass visors yeah like they've got like a strong like bodybuilder hazmat suit yeah. kind of thing yeah Mm -hmm. But anyway, um, so essentially the detective girl isn't quite happy that <laughs> the suspect is being taken away without her say so. But um, to she... be fair, the suspect is also the victim. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's there's a lot going on there. Um, but essentially, Fran takes her away and she does a lot of surgery on her and is constantly ripping up parts. And yep. we cut to like, I think a week later, Fran is, uh, I think, visited by the do uh, by the detective girl, right? Yeah, she's visited mm. by the detective. And it's like, do you have any like 
advancements on this case and Fran is in a bit of a funk she's real sad she's like yeah I know what happened it's such a tragedy it's so sad and it's really like, unfortunate it, like it, I, I think Sam's doing a bit of disservice so the page definitely tries to play this up as sad as possible yeah. like Fra Fran is like giving the bad news of a doctor I'm like I'm sorry we lost her but then we flip the page and it's she's completely cured of her illness she can just be a normal person again. And I've lost my infinite source of body parts. <laughs> yep. She's not regenerating anymore. Uh, the, the pieces I hacked off started or stopped regenerating, too. Because there's like this horror panel of the victims swaddled in bandages with no limbs. You get that. And then the detective shows up and then Fran is all sad and then then turns to she's perfectly fine and completely healthy. Yeah. She's perfectly fine. Thanking Fran for her efforts. It's like, doctor, you've saved me. You've given me the opportunity to live a normal life. I'm not going to spoil this blessing. Thank you so much. I'm going to go live a good life now. And Fran is just so sad. Yeah, and it's it's a nice ending to a Fran case where the, the twist at the end is Fran didn't get what she wanted. Uh, <laughs> My favorite bit is... Uh, is detective girl has all the sarcomas like wrapped up in a giant mesh bag and is dragging them into the precinct like yep. this is evidence for the case chief i figured it out it's not a serial killer <laughs> yeah this is medical waste we find out later on that she's committed for that <laughs> but yeah <laughs> the person to whom the horror thing happened ends up totally happy and fine fran is sad because she doesn't have her infinitely regenerating body parts and poor detective girl i mean like she seems like like she walks in smiling with all these body parts but like you can kind of see on her face that like yeah she did need some time off in, in, in a place that's, you know, quiet and safe for a while. Because <laughs> she didn't come out of this perfectly happy, too. Yeah. It's pretty taxing being, you know, Fran's friend. <laughs> friend <laughs> is a real strong term there, Jay. <laughs> it's pretty taxing being on the same continent as Fran. Uh-huh. Anyway, uh, next chapter, Fran goes to high school and you're like, I didn't think she was a high schooler. And in all fairness, in the author's notes at the end of this volume, uh, he does go. Yeah, I, I originally thought maybe she could be a high school girl. I didn't think that worked out. So we don't do that again in the future. But well, for this chapter, <laughs> she is. It was funny because um, at the end of the chapter, Fran is like, yeah, I got bored of high school, which is echoed by the author saying, yeah, I did this one chapter. It was fun. But it got boring after the end of that chapter, so I just quit. So it's yeah. like. Mm -hmm. But for this chapter, Fran, um, <laughs> in fact, there are even people who are like, hey, you haven't been to school in a while. What's uh, what's that about? So I was like, oh, well, I've, I've been busy. No, yep. I'm at high school. <laughs> she already has a job. There, there's a lot of reasons why Fran going to high school doesn't make sense, which doesn't feel fair to dwell on because the author admits it doesn't make sense. So, <laughs> yeah. so we need to get I mean, down. Fran admits it doesn't make sense. Yeah. We need to get down to the character customization of Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> yeah, um, this is this entire chapter is essentially just one of the popular girls at school uh, wants her um, eyelids done, I think, is the procedure she wants. She's got some sort of thing with her eyelids where, like, they hang down too far and they, like, shadow her shadow her eyes. So it's like it's a really simple procedure. They just need to, like, 
fold my eyelids a little bit and stitch them uh, in place like that. But it costs so much and my dad won't pay for it. And she's like, oh, hey, Fran, aren't you really, really good at science? Could you do this for me? I think it's even funnier. I think the line is, don't you do surgery as a hobby? <laughs> That's it. That's the line. I'm like, what? Example one, why uh, Fran doesn't make sense as a high school girl. <laughs> yeah. Also, example number one of why all these high schoolers are fucking idiots. But you know what? <laughs> yeah, because high schoolers. That makes sense. What yeah. happens is the the girl and her like popular girlfriends and Fran go into the science classroom. It might even be during the school day, I think. Uh -huh. And the girl's like, you got everything you need here. You've got drugs. You've got anesthetic. You've got needles. And Fran's like, oh, I use my own stuff. Don't worry. I take that with me wherever I go. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Proceeds to do surgery and um, for cosmetic surgery, it goes off without a hitch. It's perfect. It's got none of the Frankenfran level of like, this is some ungodly crime against nature. This is yeah. just really a simple surgery that Fran could do in her sleep and just does it because Fran likes people liking her is a thing. Mm -hmm. Like... She likes making people happy. This is actually the rare case where it's like someone asks her something that's honestly not super unreasonable like this is just a thing no no this is something that you could probably honestly if you went to a plastic surgeon they do in the office is what it sounds like because it's like one stitch one stitch done like exactly and so everyone is like whoa you got plastic surgery i thought your parents wouldn't let you do it uh tell us what's the secret you know the girl is like i'll tell you the secret for ten thousand yen and yep. You know, obviously someone paid for that because word gets around school that Fran will basically do pro bono cosmetic surgery because it'll, it's her hobby. It, it starts <laughs> off with all the girls, in all fairness. It starts off with all the girls where it's like, can you do a, a surgery to like make my eyes bigger? And it's like, can you give me liposuction? And I love that little cutaway there. The, the liposuction is actually a pretty funny bit because it's it's very simple. It's like, you know, you, liposuction is really a last resort. Have you tried exercising? He's like, I don't want to. And friend just, okay, I'll do the surgery. Then. And then says, oh, see you later. I, I gave you the bare minimum of my professional expertise. You know, with any <laughs> lifestyle changes, you're just going to be back. So exactly. Yeah. Consider, <laughs> considering Fran does that liposuction within a day, like, and then it gets out of control because you start getting people like coming in for, I want like, can you attach abs to me? Sure. <laughs> Can you engrave my girlfriend's name on my teeth? Uh, sure. Just donate sweets. <laughs> oh, and there's a, a bunch of guys get like one of them. I think gets uh metal spikes implanted into his skull. Yeah, they, and they, they start looking like Fallout Raiders. Yeah, and he's bragging to his friends about it. And we get this hilarious panel where it's one of the popular girls, like just a profile shot in the bottom of the left-hand page, and it's just like, you boys look ridiculous. And then we flip the page to find out she has gotten, like, triple G implants. <laughs> her tits are the size of her entire torso. Yeah, like... Yeah, how would anybody find something that exaggerated attractive? Like, come on. Sam. Uh, Sam. <laughs> Sam. Sam, we're talking to the internet now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
God damn it. But um, uh, uh, I am so glad I'm a hermit. <laughs> essentially, um, that this, the rest of this chapter is literally just the cosmic surgery getting blown out of control. One of my favorite lines out of this is Fran saying, I'm finally starting to feel like I fit in here because all of the school now look as freakish as she does. Cyberpunk uh, 2077 is, is a really fitting comparison because the people are starting to look like character customization horror shows. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah it's it. it it's the classic Frankenfran Cronenberg insanity with a bit of transhumanism dashed in for flavor. And I love it. <laughs> it's really interesting. We've only been talking about what's happening in the background, because I think honestly, in this chapter, the main plot's just not as interesting. But yeah, what it there is, is an emotional hook for this uh, for this chapter. What, what it right. essentially is, is um, a uh, boy and girl um, have uh, been they're dating kind of. Yeah, like. Yeah. They're well, trying to date. They're, they're childhood friends and have asked each other out, but clearly there's something going on there. Uh-huh. Uh, to which, after, like, cosmetic surgery has gotten, like, real big around the school, uh, the guy goes to Fran and essentially says, I hear you, you're giving out surgery. I've got a serious problem here. I want you to turn me into a woman because... Well- my he girlfriend is afraid of men. Yeah, she was sexually assaulted as a child and it left deep traumatic scars and no amount of therapy she's going through is healing it. And I I need you to do this for it. He doesn't even say that he wants gender reassignment surgery like on panel, or at least we don't see it. Mm. But Fran's like, are you sure about this? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's he's basically just saying, I will do whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah, and she says, all right, it'll take me about a week of prep time, so come back in a week and I'll do it. The girl was like eavesdropping on this conversation, and she goes up to Fran like, hey, I've got a big favor to ask. Oh, man, <laughs> the my favorite panel, which is them meeting under the tree. Well, we see, we see the boy going under the knife. Cut to the next panel of the two of them meeting under the tree. They both say, I got gender reassignment surgery. We got a gift of the Magi situation here. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I got reassigned as a woman because you're terrified of men and I wanted to make you comfortable. And she said, I heard what you were going to do. And uh, the fact that you would make such a sacrifice for me, I needed to go that far as well. And they're like, wait a minute. We both went under the knife at the same time. She literally just swapped our genitals, didn't she? Yep. I think I think the girl actually said I wanted that. <laughs> yeah, the girl it wanted that situation. So they they right. have had their parts swapped with each other. It's mm-hmm. honestly really wholesome and cute. I love it. It's a very sweet ending. It's someone's yeah. kink. <laughs> which which we get the ending panel, which is the entire cyberpunk out. This yeah, they're making out and the crowd of people around them who have been like full transhumanist, um, like like reassigned, like everyone's happy and like weird. Being like, man, get a room. Oh man, I got I got plastic surgery so I could find a boyfriend. I should have just ha- found a boyfriend before I got plastic surgery. <laughs> and then we cut to Fran on our balcony going like, Hey Fran, you going back to school? No, school's really exhausting. Well, what about all the people there? He's like, oh, no, they're mature. I'm sure they'll live. They knew the consequences of their actions. I'm I'm sure they won't regret this long term and we never see any of them ever again. <laughs> That's technically not true, but we'll talk about that. Yeah. Later. Well, yeah, but yeah, we, we learned we learned the the trans couple breaks up later. And I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, because this is a happy ending. And you're like, I don't think those belong in Frank and Frank. And then the, it's not even the bonus chapters at the end. It's the it's backside of the book 
book jacket. So yeah. it's literally the very last page of this. It's just a little sign of like, hey, what about those two who lovebirds? Oh, I heard they broke up. Oh. <laughs> oh, it's um, it's it's one of Fran's classmates. We're uh, talking about how, hey, you haven't been to school. Yeah, I kind of quit. Um, <laughs> oh, what about those two? Oh, they broke up. Look, I like me my happy ending, so I'm just gonna imagine that that's a that's a vicious rumor. I mean, fair because that's also the book jacket, and I don't think those are canon. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just a funny joke because it's a, no, it's a really funny joke. <laughs> but <laughs> like, it's the joke is. Hey, can we have happy endings in Frank and Fran? Not really. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> it's very much a take it or leave it moment, and I'm going to leave it because I think those two are adorable. Oh, man, this uh, this next chapter happens. Huh? Yeah. yeah. So, again, the Frank and Fran roller coaster. We had the horrid chapters. We had the wholesome one. We had the weird one. And now it's time for more horror. <laughs> I really liked this one. Why? Because it was deep and philosophical and involved things. Or because it was about dogs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it was deep and philosophical, and it involved dogs. What else do you want from literally anything? Exactly. So, All right, uh, then. We are introduced to Dr. Amatsuka, who has recently made a Viscount in Britain. <laughs> so it's like, okay, cool. <laughs> cool. Uh, anyway, he's an old friend of Madaraki. Uh-huh. And, and they and have old... an ongoing debate on the very existence of God. Yes, because uh, during World War II, they were uh, in the Navy and they were the Imperial Japanese Navy is. Yes. Important to... distinction there. <laughs> that That's the important part. They both fought for Japan and they're both like, yeah, at this point, we're basically fucked. there's no way we can ever take on America in any way. We do not have anywhere near the resources to fight them. And. Uh, that's what that's how Matsuka's taken. Madaraki is like, yeah, but honestly, this war hasn't been about nations fighting nations. You, the level to which humanity's technology has advanced and advanced in both the direction of making the world better and in killing each other. This isn't a war of nation on nation. This is humanity going to kill God, which is a take I'm always happy to get behind. Amatsuka <laughs> <laughs> uh, is like, well, I was really hoping Madaraki was here so we could continue our little debate, our little bet on the existence of God. But I guess he's not. So uh, it was nice seeing you, Fran. I'm going home now. Continuing the long running gag of how many people can we have not know where the doctor is because uh-huh dr Madaraki being not able to be reached is a running theme through frank and fran which considering the length of time something's happened this oh. is a very long time for an 80 year old man to be missing <laughs> yeah not even fran knows where he is so like i hope he comes back over the course of our reading several years have to happen because there are numerous uh medical files and experiments that take months well, I suppose some of them could be happening simultaneously, technically, yeah, but it's still a pretty, a pretty serious length of time, regardless. Which, again, reason why Frank and uh, why Fran can't be in high school, just because uh -huh. some surgeries she'll literally say, yeah, this took me a month. Like, uh -huh. mm -hmm. but also her compound's big enough. R realistically, things can be happening concurrently. So eh. yeah, she does mention having having multiple, uh, multiple we labs, multiple surgery theaters. Yeah. We know there's at least five labs. Yeah, and in all fairness, in a lot of cases, what's happening is Fran is checking in on the progress of things. So you can make an argument that the Chrysalis case happens entirely off screen with Fran just coming in for office hours. Like, 
uh-huh. anything else could be happening while that's going on. Like we have a pretty substantial number of cases mm-hmm. and, you know, at minimum, it's a couple of months worth of time and not all of them can be happening concurrently. So but uh, anyway, um, the main crux of this is uh, as he's leaving um, his secretary, uh, Mrs. Tuppence or Miss Tuppence. That's important. After. Dr. Amatsuku leaves. Fran is alerted by one of her numerous horrific creations, this weird little hedgehog looking thing, (laughs) (laughs) that uh, the laboratory has been bugged. There there are listening devices all around. Fran does a bit of investigating, and she finds that there is a listening team in the woods nearby that are tuned into the bugs, and she unleashes her horrors upon them, and then we cut back to her inviting Dr. Amatsuka back to the house. Yeah, continuing a running theme in Frank and Fran of God help you if you wander into that forest. Uh (laughs) It's not a place for man. I'm pretty sure not even God can help you at that point. (laughs) Oh, you know what? You're not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, to be fair, could not do anything to save you. Well, I mean, people who wander into the forest, it's the mixed bag you expect from Fran, but the people who go in intentionally usually deserve what they get. Fran invites Dr. Amatsuka back and he and Miss Tuppence show up. Because uh, she has claimed that she has um, solved their bet because she's Mm -hmm. been doing some research on the nature of God. Yep. Mm -hmm. And she says, the way that I see it, there's really only one animal that can truly see God, and that is dogs. Because the companionship between man and dog can be traced back basically to the beginning of our of humanity as we recognize it today. And dogs are these ultimately loyal beings that will stay by their their human side. They will uh, live and fight and die for the human that they are bonded with. And moreover, Wolves are not dogs, despite how genetically close they are. They became something else because early humans forged them into something else. What animal could have a closer understanding of what God is than an animal that walks beside their God every day? Mm -hmm. And Dr. Amatsuka is like, all right, that's an interesting philosophical point. But do you have an example? Well, actually, yes, I do. Because you see, I found some people in the woods and I turned them into dogs. And <laughs> <laughs> why would you do this? <laughs> I love how nonchalant she is, too. Just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. This is this is kind of the part where I'm like, you know, Fran is is very She's psychotically positive. She always sees the best in everyone. But like she's not she's not dumb, airheaded or even really naive. Like she chooses to make naive decisions because she knew exactly who these people were and she knew exactly what she was doing to them. So (laughs) this was a punishment. (laughs) Fran is nice to people because normally she doesn't feel they're a threat to her. Mm -hmm. And in all fairness, even to her, she doesn't care because she can rebuild herself for the most part. It's when people threaten the doctor, like because the, what what these people were doing was trying to steal the doctor's research. And that mm-hmm. is an unforgivable. Like there's yeah. a there's a switch in Fran's head that goes, hey, you're messing with the doctor. Kill instant violence. And she says, well, so not, I wonder not killer violence, Cronenberg punishment, which is worse. 
yeah, yeah we'll we'll get to fran's opinion on killing in the last chapter <laughs> yeah there's lots of fates worse than worse than death in this manga and wow. she's like i wonder who these dogs think their god is and like the paneling makes it look like they're running towards amatsuka and it's like oh is he the one that bugged the lab no they go and surround miss tuppence uh fran's like "Ooh, you should vet your your help better dr amatsuka because Miss Tuppence was a spy for I'm not sure which government, but a government. They just say they, they say foreign government is it? Yeah, a foreign government trying to steal Madaraki's research. And Amatsuka's like, hmm, that's a real shame. Anyway, I leave her to you. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean you leave me to her? No, you can't do this to me. Get away from me. She gets she gets surgeryed into a dog. <laughs> uh huh. Yep. We we have a truly horrific panel of her being stripped naked and strapped down to a surgery table crying and screaming for mercy yeah that yes. does not come and amatsuka says yeah real sorry about that hey um so you turned her into a dog are you gonna care for her and francis care for her no and it shows you know one of the horrific human dog things and it's like such a savage beast no i turned her and the rest of her pack loose in the woods they'll make their own way or they won't it's really great because um, by the way what did you think of my answer i give it about 70 points yeah that's my favorite line is um because this entire like philosophical debate she went off on about like the nature of gods like well you see dogs technically worship people as gods so i have genetically engineered people into dogs that's my thesis statement to which he gives an almost failing grade <laughs> yeah like, well, I it's mean, like, the the philosophical core of what she's saying is that we make our own gods. She's just doing it in a horrifying Cronenberg way. Yeah. It's, it's not a convincing argument is the thing, that, which is a lot of what Fran, because Fran is very selectively intelligent on other things mm. that she thinks translates into everything is normally the problem with her yeah. conclusions a lot. She's very smart about biology and surgery and that. The problem is when she thinks that also goes into politics and human relations and like she is not yeah. universally intelligent and that's normally the root of her problems well because she wasn't this boils down to the fact that she was not not socialized <laughs> we needed to take her to take her as a child that was the problem <laughs> the thing is she was socialized she was just socialized with other cronenberg monsters <laughs> which is where her uh uh mindset comes from which honestly makes a lot of sense it is the most logical thing in this entire cronenberg nightmare i yeah. love it I just like that the Franken-Fran, like, moral lesson of the thing was rated a D by someone oh. in-universe. And I'm like, that's normally about what it deserves, because normally it's just... Well, you have to think that Dr. Atsuka, like, obviously this debate was applicable to, you know, humanity and the psychological um, debate that was going on in that context, not whatever Fran turned it into. <laughs> He's been thinking on this for at least 50 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's kind of like that was backhanded and just like, Fran, you know, that's not what I was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> I, I also think that um, Fran wasn't really trying to answer his question. She was. Oh, just no, she was pissed. Yeah, she was just oh, she being was, theatrical. Yeah, she was yeah, being so. theatrical, but she did ask what her uh, thesis statement did rate. Because, as always, Fran is very excited to see how she measures up to the doctor. Hmm. That, that's what this is, is she wanted to take a crack at the thing the doctor tried to prove. That's her motivation in this chapter is I want to be like Dr. Madaraki. 
uh, I want to I want to see how I measure up because I know I'm still an amateur compared to him. I'm trying to reach his level. The next chapter is uh, on a cruise ship, and I I really appreciated this one. <laughs> but <laughs> I can understand if um, the, the rest of you didn't to the level I did. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know exactly what you appreciated, so I would appreciate you you elaborating on that point, because I did enjoy the I did enjoy the chapter. The entire setup for this case is literally a case closed mystery like this is a very famous one involving kaido kid like the murder on a cruise ship up until like the cannibalism yeah but like the setup for it is literally like case closed i'm pretty sure i saw that episode of the case closed anime yeah like so the the joke of this is fran is in like a mystery manga except the joke is fran immediately solves the mystery because she's super good at like surgery it, it takes away the oh who did it question by fran solves that immediately it's well it's one of those ones where uh you know frank and fran will do another genre except cronenberg horror seeps into it oh i mean isn't it fran who immediately like points out what happened yeah, and then well, she's just like, well, we have to find, you know, uh, where the rest, where's the rest of her? We need to find the evidence, finds the evidence, and then says, okay, well, I'm fortunately, I'm gifted surgically, so I can just, you know, get the information that we need. Yeah, essentially what happens is they're at there for a birthday party for a 16-year-old girl, I believe, because it's like a big party for uh, the heiress to a, like, natural food company, I think. And there's like a big catering dishes and stuff and they're like offering food and the guest of honor is nowhere to be seen uh to which fran notices the food on the table is human flesh like just on eyesight she notices that which impressive the sashimi is people so she goes up to the, the head and just makes the announcement where if this was a mystery manga she would be like i've solved the case but she's just like hey um don't eat any of the food i think there's been a murder the meat is people. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, this feast is actually an attempt to destroy the evidence and everybody in the entire room starts vomiting. Yeah, there's a... Great... <laughs> Which is an appropriate reaction. response. <laughs> yeah, because this party's been going on for a bit. Fran arrived late because um, Dr. Madaraki was invited. So Fran puts on a really nice dress and um, Okita comes in his human suit. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> Very dashing. His human head sticking out of a human body, which we then reveal is just a... The cat body is in the neck. Yep. yep. And essentially what it boils they down to... good, like... Yeah. And what it boils down to is um, Fran goes to where the food's prepared and then opens the fridge to reveal the girl's severed head on a cake because... This was an elaborate suicide to get back at her father because her father cared more about his job than her. And uh, we get uh, essentially when she blames the parents, the parents just do nothing but blame each other. They're not even like worried their daughter was killed. Well, well I mean, it's the issue is that like their parents, it's her father and then the stepmom. And a stepmom. Oh, and right, the right, stepmom, right. you know, points out, you spent all this money on that brat. And I mean, it's, it implies yeah, that yeah. she didn't really have, like, maternal feelings towards the girl and kind of yeah. resented the fact that he doted on her so much. I think I might have misread this because I thought that it was some weird psychosis thing that the dad did because Fran's talking about how, like, yeah, the, the, the dad's kind of narcissistic and... Uh, he he really dotes on his daughter and she talks about how, um, you know, like the most precious thing a person has is their life. 
and if they equate their life with something else destroying it is a form of suicide so yeah I didn't, I didn't i didn't pull away that she actually committed suicide fran was connecting it to the fact i i think i misread this chapter then if ever. okay so so what happens is when she accuses the parents that's when that happens when the head gets on the body she does actually say i killed myself oh right, right, right. Oh, so okay. so it's okay. basically all of the things that have been said are things that happen it's just Fran, because it's like Fran does like solve this comedically fast, but she doesn't know right away what's going on. Like she immediately notices that the food is people don't eat the food. Uh, that's evidence. She solves the physical crime really, really quickly. But as usual, but as usual, Fran doesn't people super well, so she doesn't get the emotion behind it. Yeah, and the and the big thing that ends up happening and the reason why Fran figures out that despite what the parents are saying about each other, it definitely can't be either of them. Oh. Um, they're they're like conversing all about this. And then Fran opens the fridge door and sees the head on the cake. And she's oh. like, wait a second. If someone was trying to hide the evidence of a murder, they wouldn't do this. This is theater. Mm -hmm. oh, hold up. Yeah, I, I just reread the page. So it is it is not a suicide in she says it's a suicide, but then she describes you can define a suicide in many ways. Many methods of suicide are like a child breaking a toy or destroying something most precious to you. So he did kill his daughter and then had the food put on display. Mm -hmm. And then he admits to it in the next page. And when the daughter is brought back to life, she says, I'm so sorry, Dad. I didn't know you were suffering this much because it's been revealed he's going to lose the company. He's going to lose everything. So this was kind of like him hitting rock bottom he didn't have the nerve to kill himself was what happened yeah mm. he's going he's going to lose the company he's going to lose everything and his daughter turned 16 and he thought that like that would mean she would like move on and become an adult and not be his anymore and he couldn't stand losing the last thing air quotes that was his air quotes yeah so he was losing everything. She was the last thing he had, and he was sim like losing her as well. Yeah. So he so he destroyed it as an act of possession. Yeah, yeah. And essentially, what happens is they use Okita's um, like spare body to put the head on and reattach. And she basically says, "Father, I didn't know you were suffering so much." Runs up and hugs him. Does not realize she has Frankenstein's super strength and breaks his back. Uh -huh. And that makes a lot more sense because that's the karmic justice right there. Ah, yeah. Okay. And Fran just casually says, oh, be careful. Your nervous system isn't a, isn't uh, calibrated yet. Ooh, OK, he's dead. In all fairness, Fran is eating and Fran is eating the food the in the back of that. The cake, like, yeah. That had the head on it. Like. Uh -huh. Hey, the head juices didn't get on this side. <laughs> and and she and okita are walking home and she's like so okita you were really looking up that uh female cat weren't you well they also set it up to be like he was hitting on the uh, stepmom who was holding a cat but then who was holding a cat yeah but but then it's revealed no he was totally into the cat and i'm like ah so he is just a cat with a human head i don't i don't know <laughs> I don't know anymore. It's not important. It's uncomfortable regardless of the circumstances. So, and that's yep. the point because yep. this is Frank and Fran. I really liked this one as well because more of that classic Twilight Zone formula, just extra <laughs> up. Yeah, but how was the cake? We never find out. Yeah, we never find <laughs> was out it moist? Fran, and, <laughs> I mean, it was probably extra moist with all those head juices. 
Oh, man, this, <laughs> this is this is getting marked explicit. Uh, <laughs> Happy October, everybody. <laughs> anyway, hey, if if explicit things and, uh, you know, are bothersome to you, uh, can I recommend another one of the things? Uh, just the thought that you're this far into the episode. And need I'm to just find saying something you knew we were reading Frank and Fran. I feel like we don't need a disclaimer. Anyway, who's ready for some domestic violence, which actually isn't this one is another one that's really fucked up it's very it's very covert domestic violence but it's like i, I liked this one. this one was very clever the twist oh yeah 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 this is this is one of my favorite frank and fran cases like full stop like this is the oh, um, same same yeah all right so we we start on uh, a guy stabbing a girl to death in a park and fran just meanders on by sees this happening and goes oh Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Anyway, have a nice night and keeps walking. <laughs> you think I'm just going to let you walk away? Oh, did you like want to talk? <laughs> what? Well, you said I couldn't just walk away. So do you want to like talk? Is that what you're about? Yeah, he's holding your really nice point. to like people. Uh-huh. And <laughs> it so, goes spectacularly. And so the guy gets into this big sob story of like, she and I were in love, but her parents wouldn't have any of it. So we were going to do this suicide pact together, but I can't bring myself to actually die and I don't have her anymore. That's why you always need a second when you commit uh, Sudoku. (laughs) Sudoku. Yes. So Fran's like, I mean, I could probably save her life. And he's like, you could? Yeah, you love her, right? I do. Okay. So, um, her body is very messed up. So, what I'm going to do is uh, lobotomize a bit of her brain, stuff all of her other organs into her cranium, and now she's a living head. Oh, yeah, that little bit of lobotomization basically gave her the mind of a toddler. So, just have fun with that. (laughs) Can I offer you a head in this trying time? (laughs) Like dead ass Fran holds out the head to him in one panel. Like, here you go. Hold on. Fran, I think we're really skipping over the fact Fran does all this surgery within like minutes. Like this is a, <laughs> this is a 10 minute surgery on in the middle of the park. She does preface that there is a high risk of infection, so they should yeah. probably like stay in touch. She shoved the entire gastrointestinal system into the brain. This girl gets out her neck now. There's a very, very detailed diagram because Frank and Fran. Yeah, <laughs> we get it. You're really good at drawing anatomy. <laughs> yeah, gotta flex it. The guy takes the girl's head home, brushes her hair, and, you know, he realizes that she's kind of depressed, but she can't exactly talk because she doesn't have vocal cords anymore. She's a head. She's like, a head. <laughs> he's feeding her soup. He's feeding her soup. So he, he goes back to Fran and is like, she seems really sad. And Fran's like, okay, so after using my big brain powers to communicate with her, she says that she is uh, sad she can't move around anymore. So I'm going to surgically attach a hand so she just becomes something out of the Adams family. Yeah, she becomes co- um, cousinette. No, not or, cousinette, oh. the thing. Yeah, the I just, thing. I just love she's got those big old anime schoolgirl eyes and like the cute haircut on top of horrible finger monstrosity. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. guess whose fault it was? Uh-huh. We don't know yet. We're not to the end of the story. We have more scenes of head hand girl uh, clattering around boyfriend being like happy with her. He takes her back to the park where he murdered her. And he says, huh, this is the f- place we first met, isn't it? And he's just like standing there reminiscing. 
and he hears a noise and some cats have wandered over and are sniffing at the head and morallowing and it's paneled in a way that makes it seem like the cat could potentially swipe but the cat also doesn't seem obviously hostile until the next panel where the guy whips out a police baton brains the cat picks up the girl and says get away from her you beasts yeah we are finding as this is progressing that this guy is maybe not all all there uh-huh. yeah the, the the tonal shift starts here where you're convinced he's actually like a loving boyfriend who that you believe the suicide pact at this point and then he beats an animal to death and it's like right at about this time you realize we don't know what head girl's name is boyfriend has never said it and it you realize that about a page before he says i don't even know her name do i right before the cat appears he's like wait a minute I don't know her name and uh, the what's really going on starts to dawn on you. Uh huh. But anyway, uh, head girl is off to Fran for a checkup and boyfriend goes home and he notices something under his bed. Well, you you missed the main part, though, is what he it's not a checkup. He's bringing her to Fran and essentially says, I can't stand her just being ahead anymore. She needs to be able to talk or anything like He's he gets very upset with Fran and actually like assaults her. He pushes her to the ground. We can't express our emotions like this. I can't hold her properly. Mm hmm. And like Fran. Is really like apologetic of him, like she just got like pushed to the ground and he's like, oh, no. And like this is step two of him having like really violent tendencies. And Fran's just like, I don't know. Love is blind, I guess. He probably Mm -hmm. just really cares about her because Fran wants to see the best in everyone and is a romantic idealist like she's (laughs) like yeah oh young lovers who have to kill themselves because their parents uh, romeo and juliet verbatim i believe that blindly like yeah mm -hmm. she she's very willingly ignoring the very obvious red flags at this point so anyway fran agrees to give the girl a body and she's like yeah whatever i'll send her back to you when she has the body ready i don't have any human bodies anything as long as i can hold her yeah i'll figure something out and boyfriend goes home and he's waiting for girlfriend to show back up and he notices something under his bed and he lifts up the bed and it's a whole bunch of scratch marks in the floor of help me kill me please i'm suffering i hate you revenge 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 (laughs) there is no god is also one of my favorites oh yeah (laughs) that's another really strong one there is no god dude says she wasn't supposed to remember anything she's supposed to have the brain of a toddler and we get a flashback from his perspective of their first meeting it's not her turning to her lover that she's about to romeo and juliet with it's her just kind of standing in the park turning at a noise and looking very frightened cut back to them in the room and or him in the room sorry as uh you hear a noise coming she didn't uh, just as he's realizing that means she didn't lose her memory you hear miss fran sent me the operation went smoothly i've been waiting to get close to you like this the day I got a body again. And we get a lovely shadowed image of her head on top of a horrible flesh monster asking uh-huh. him to please open up the door. <laughs> any, any of y'all played Carrion? Great game, by the way. Highly recommend. Super good Metroidvania. It, she looks like the Carrion monster. 
Now I can finally hold you close. Oh, how I've longed for this day. Yep, cut to the next page where Okita is watching the news and seeing the report about this boy being found brutally murdered in his apartment. Sure that I didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> anyway, that's the end of volume one. <laughs> yep, yep. It's Fran taking a shower, too, so she doesn't actually notice. And when Okita tries to talk to her about it, she's like, nah, I'm sure they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Goes to relax on the balcony to let her hair dry. Like, yep. That balcony. I, I love Fran. <laughs> Uh, Fran loves her about me. She's great. Uh, this one's really good. Just because, yeah. like, you get the full, like, karmic justice on it. And <laughs> also body horror monster getting revenge is always great, too. You yeah. Get, you get the entire gamut of the Frank and Fran experience, and it's all top-notch. Yep. And also, you don't even have the thing of, like, well, there's a happy ending. Because the there's not. <laughs> there's yeah happy ending like karmic justice was done it's a cathartic ending it is not a happy one yeah this one really feels like uh the mangaka had a strong premise going in to making this manga but he wasn't sure exactly what he wanted to do with it this is where he hit his stride yeah absolutely so uh at the end of the volume we have a 0.5 chapter which has uh a little half story of friend being tricked into being in a porno it's it's pretty funny. It's a snuff film is <laughs> yeah. what it is. Because essentially she gets called by someone who says they're a friend of the doctor and he's a oh no, it's the it's the friend of the doctor, Dr. Amato. Yeah. Amatsu. Yeah. And he's he's got a Amatsuka, yeah. Yeah, he and he knows a movie producer who's very interested in Fran. And she's like, Ooh, what kind of story does he want to do about me? <gasps> Maybe it's a love story with the doctor. And I'm like, that's a little weird, but also yeah, she immediately goes there. And I'm just like, yeah. oh, OK, she, she's a romantic idealist. So it kind of makes sense, though. <laughs> like she's got a fantasy of someone she admires. Like, eh. yeah. But like um, what the what the relationship between Fran and the doctor is, is uh, questionable. <laughs> I, I'm sure Fran builds it up too. like, I feel like yeah. it's definitely one sided if it is. That way. I, yeah. It's 100% sure. that because he abandoned her for an untold number of years. Like, but uh, yeah, essentially what it is, is it's a snuff film where she is ripped apart by someone dressed as the doctor, like organs splattered everywhere. Uh, Moaning she, about how it hurts so good. Please, please dismantle me to where no one could ever put me back together again. Can't just read the panel. And yeah, yeah it's, it's a really good panel. My favorite bit, though, is apparently um, she did a screening of this film without seeing it to her entire um, squad of monsters. Uh -huh. <laughs> and during that scene, she turns around and like, stares at him as if it didn't occur to her during the filming what this was. It was it was after it was produced. She realized what had happened. Mm hmm. Look, I buy it. No, 100 percent. Fran, Fran is someone who willingly ignores the obvious red flags of a situation because she doesn't want to think badly of people. <laughs> All I'm saying is I participated in a few fandoms where 0.5 chapters fill you with dread. And <laughs> this did not help. It's 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 just fun. And then she it, it's implied she goes on a tour with like a film tour of the studio and has her squad kill the director. Like, <laughs> yeah. Because because Fran's nice, but Fran will also get revenge. <laughs> mm -hmm. So this takes up about 
half of a usual runtime of a chapter. And it's like, well, we still have all these pages. How about some one to two page vignettes of various horrific things that don't actually have Fran involved? Yeah, they're they're essentially like two page horror stories. They're mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> yeah, we we have um one of my favorite character, one of my favorite recurring characters, which is um 50s detective man who yeah. is who is just a dude in a trench coat with a with a cap that uh, shades his eyes who can like see ghosts, I think, and wanders around town seeing various horrifically dead people that aren't there after he blinks. Yeah, his gimmick is entirely. Oh, that looks like a scene where someone died. Oh, nope. There's some dead ghost people. That's the end. This town is really screwed up. (laughs) Yep. That is the long and short of everything he does. There's also eye patch, eye patch scissor girl that shows up a couple of times. Yeah, yes, a kill a kill character shows up. Uh, eye patch scissor girl, whose entire thing is she kills monsters that are about to kill people as if it were a horror movie. She appears to destroy the monster, like mm-hmm. ruining the dramatic tension of like an attack is her entire gimmick. Yeah, uh, the second one's my favorite, though, which is <laughs> which is a dude is sleeping, has an out of body experience. And he's like, oh, man, I hate when these happen in my dreams. Oh, well, I'm, I'm just going to look around my apartment. Man, my face looks weird when I'm asleep. Hey, why oh. is my why is my girlfriend breaking in? She didn't Ooh. say she was coming over. She's taking off my pants. Ooh, she's, she's taking off my pants. She's licking her lips. <laughs> this might actually be something fun to watch. Wait, why are you pulling out scissors? Wait, no, stop. <laughs> I need to get back in my body. <laughs> and then it's just snip. That's fun. <laughs> that that made me cringe. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that made me cringe so hard I vacuumed in my own asshole. <laughs> Love anyway, it. that's volume one on to volume two. It doesn't slow down at all. Yep. Oh, I love this chapter. This one's really I liked this one because it has like weird Lovecraftian elements, and y'all know that's my jam. Yeah, this is another one of those ones that it's like it kind of ends happily, like I'd argue it does. Yeah, like it's it's this one's actually really easy to summarize, too, because it's it's mostly um, the story is there is this guy who is a painter, but unfortunately, his eyesight is going. So he's not going to be able like the person who hired him is even saying, like, these aren't very good paintings. He worked as a portrait artist, which there are enough vain rich people in Japan that that's actually a steady market. But it wasn't like fulfilling artistically for him. So he tried to break into the high art scene, but. The guy that he was trying to impress was like, yeah, no, your eyesight is clearly going. You aren't going to cut it like this. Just stick with the thing that you can do. Yeah, it's, it, and it came off as like a genuine, you know, advice of like. Oh, yeah, the guy yeah. wasn't even mean about it. He's like, this is this is all technically fine, but like it looks like it was traced off of something. There's no artistry or passion and it suddenly we're in blue period again and <laughs> um like your eyes have been going for the last couple of years you can still do portraits there's good money in that and you're you would like this is just not gonna sell but you can make a lot of money with the portraits so i'd stick with that if i were you like he's he's really nice about it honestly so, so obviously the painter takes the reasonable course of action and tries to uh, suicide by bus and uh, con- conveniently, the bus he jumped in front of was the one Fran was oh, on. I think he suicided. He legitimately said, I didn't see. 
You, oh, you yeah. know what? That's also probably like it. Also, the bus barely hits him compared to when cars hit people in this. Normally, they're just eviscerated. But like my one criticism would be like, dude, you couldn't hear the bus coming. Well, he see, that's the thing. He walked into the road without looking like I didn't see the bus. He was still like he, there was kind of that idea. It's pretty obvious. The idea in the back of his head was like, if a bus just happened to run me over, I'd be fine with it. Like it wasn't exactly an overt suicide attempt but he kind of wanted to get hit by a bus so he tells his sob story to fran who's like yeah now that's real rough buddy uh we also learned that this is fran's personal bus because we see the driver weird because she has a personal like pharmaceutical van she has a personal bus it's just like look she gets paid a lot for her her, for her uh crimes against nature she's living well yeah it makes me rethink my career (laughs) <laughs> is it just me or did the bus driver look like the katana fiend from chainsaw man oh hell yes <laughs> yes i mean sand sword sticking out of his head kind of yeah exactly painter man tells fran his sob story and she's like that's real rough buddy um i mean i technically have like an experimental procedure i can do and he's like really you can save my eyesight well i, I didn't say that i said i have an experimental procedure it might make your eyes even better than they were before but it's really like fringe stuff and he's like do it do it i don't care do it he's like it could also just make you completely blind he's like <laughs> i'm willing to take that chance the, the surgery where she needs to cut someone's skull in half to replace their eyes Yep. <laughs> Fran, Fran really, really likes lobotomizing people. Yeah. Hey, hey, not lobotomy. His brain is intact. It's craniotomy. It's craniotomy. That's the word I was looking for. Thank you, Jay. <laughs> but anyway, uh, he gets a new pair of eyes. And yeah. when he does the uh, Twilight Zone bandage unveil, they're weird, mystical space. Like, they're very like. They're mantis shrimp eyes. Uh huh. I. Mm, I don't think they are. I think that's just the example she uses that they are eyes that can see. Because Fran mentions the whole mantis shrimp thing and she says he doesn't quite have the same visual range that they do, but he can see infrared and ultraviolet and many other spectrums of light that humans just aren't capable of seeing normally. Mm -hmm. Because essentially um, she says mantis shrimp have uh, 16 color receptors. Humans only have three. I've yeah. quadrupled yours, so he has 12. Yeah, yeah, so he should be perfectly fine, and obviously his brain should be fully equipped to process all this new information. I- I'm assuming she also <laughs> did things to his brain. I. <laughs> yeah, that's a huge assumption. Yeah, I was going to say, I would assume she didn't because she probably didn't think of it at the time. <laughs> Which kind of explains his reaction to what he sees. We get some real color out of space, uh... <laughs> yeah, he was basically like tripping the heck out. Like, what the hell? He he runs into the murder woods, and <laughs> um, apparently some of the wavelengths you can see are the wavelengths ghost and interdimensional monsters live on, based on what we're seeing. Yeah, <laughs> well, basically. He, he's reached Insight 20, and he can see the amygdala clinging to the cathedral. <laughs> he <laughs> has gone full bloodborne. So you're saying, Sam, that you would have this procedure shut up (laughs) (laughs) anyway as he's uh running through the woods he eventually like finds a clearing and the like monsters he was running from because he's seeing like things from all different wavelengths he sees a uh, like a naked woman just in the woods kind of like mute and not really talking and he's just like wait what's going on this incredibly beautiful woman is just out here like some kind of like tree nymph She's like cold as ice in this uh beautiful uh clearing that has uh colors and like anything seen on earth 
and like it's a love at first sight thing she's so beautiful that he immediately is like please i have to know your name can you understand me can you even hear me and she like leads him along Mm -hmm. and you think it's gonna be a like leads him to his death thing and then you look at the page count and you're like wait there's still like five pages left Uh, yeah we cut to the next page and he's back visiting fran for like his checkup he's got like a full beard so he's been out there for months um Uh and he's like i really have to thank you like i was horrified at first but i don't think i would have been able to see her without these eyes and she is the inspiration that has taken my art to the next level allow me allow me to show you the the portrait of her i've painted uh, yes, as, as thanks for giving me this wonderful new life, I, I'm going to give you this portrait I painted of her. And Okita looks at it and blanches and is like, what the f- Fran, you have to tell. And she's like, no, sh- shut up. <laughs> shut up. Don't it's, ruin this for him. <laughs> it's love. Don't ruin it for him. That's wonderful. You go you go back to your uh, weird woods wife and live a nice life. Thank you, Fran. I owe my paradise to you. Mm-hmm. Fr- Fran, that thing he's living with, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> shut up. This is romantic. Don't uh-huh. ruin the paradise he has. And notably, we never actually see what's on the portrait. Yeah, the, the, the audience is not allowed to know the horror of what she is. <laughs> because she's something that freaks out Okita, and Okita sees weird <laughs> every day, so... Okita lives with Fran. Yep. Okita is weird every day. But it's a really nice scene of them just cuddling in the glade um, under the moonlight as he's painting more. And Fran's just like, what a beautiful relationship they have. And everyone's just like, what horrible monster is he living with? But I I guess it's fine. I guess it's fine. I mean, if it's not physically or emotionally hurting him. Yeah, that's the thing. There's no harm to him. My personal theory is it's a bear. Oh, yeah, I could. Actually, I was expecting us to see the canvas and find out that it was a bear or something. But if it was a a bear, would Okita have had that much of an expression? Like, he would have been been like, that's kind of weird. You think we should tell him it's a bear? That dude's f***ing a bear. (laughs) No. No, Okita was legitimately like terrified. Yeah, Okita was like fearful of the wrath of God is how he is portrayed. Like he is drawn the most intensely of any because this chapter actually has like a lot of like beautiful, like painted scenery other than the horrible monsters in the woods for that one panel. But like he's got like terrified eyes. I also don't think since we're talking about the same forest, I don't think it's one of the dogs either. No, I, I, I can probably imagine. not. The dogs are probably dead. In all honesty, I doubt they survived <laughs> on their own. Um, but, I'm, but I'm just saying, like, I don't think he would have had that visceral reaction. It's just like, oh, no, you no. ran into one of your pets. The point, it is some unknowable horror that apparently was still a very good painting is what mm-hmm. Fran says. That painting was beautiful. So he got what he wanted. That's the great thing. A lot of it is left up to your own interpretation. And in all honesty, it's kind of hard to see this as a bad outcome because he's really, he's he's genuinely content now. It's not hurting him. He, if, if he's still interacting with his company, he's still making money. It's like, there's legitimately no downside to yeah, this. Yeah, he, he's a man who wanted to kill himself and found motivation in life. I can't fault anything that like, Anything he does was better. Like he saves all this yeah. money because his his wife just runs around naked. It's great. Hey, hey, hey! They're not married. Don't put labels on their relationship. 
there there there's a lot left up to interpretation about all of this and uh your mind can wander where it pleases that was a deep and nuanced chapter you guys want to talk about the mafia now? oh my god my this favorite chapter, i loved it but i hated it because it just dissolved into nonsense I loved the nonsense. Oh my god. Okay, so I like the whole time I was going through Frank and Fran at this point, I I started to realize that I was binging this all really fast. I'm like, wow, this is very much not my taste, but I enjoy it a lot. And then I got to this one, and almost every single page turn had me laughing out loud uncontrollably. Yeah. <laughs> I loved this. This, this chapter is a comedy, in case that isn't obvious. Like oh my god it this was my absolute favorite chapter there there are some chapters i'd argue are like more interesting like have like you know some level of philosophy to them that makes them more interesting to discuss but my god was this so funny yeah because um it's honestly we'd probably be doing it a disservice to like fully describe what's happening because it, it literally flips on a dime each page turn oh yeah yeah, yeah. like I this one's maniac. Like, yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think it's better to to talk about it more in the abstract because the one of the things that's really good about it is like you're you're reading it and like as soon as you think you know where it's going, the page turns and it gets more insane somehow. And uh -huh. like that's the whole like conceit of this chapter. And oh my god. I, I I forget, doesn't it open with um after like the initial thing, Fran's complaining about money troubles? Uh-huh. Like she she wants to buy something in particular, but she doesn't have enough for it. That's why her motivation for this entire chapter is just, hey, people are willing to pay you to do this weird thing. Sure, I don't care. She basically does war profiteering. She plays both sides of a major criminal conflict. Yeah, because essentially um, the Money. mafia, the, the, there are two sides of this. There is the chairman of the mafia currently because the former Don died. He's he the, the president of the front company and yeah. also the the like Don. Yeah, he's the Don now because the former Don died. But what happened was the people who don't like him. There's a rumor going around that the Don had a bastard son, which would have more claim because he's also the son of the Don, actually, because he says that that kid would be my brother. It's enough that someone would lay claim. It throws his like just immediately taking the position into question, which is enough for assassination attempts to constantly keep happening uh to this point he has he wants a perfect body double which is essentially a exact clone of him which he does he gets this body double by capturing the sniper who took out his previous body double which because the, that's the other thing he's had body doubles he goes to fran because he's running out of them yep yep and like essentially what is happening is every time they find an assassin for either him or the other side they use the parts for that assassination or the team of those dead bodies to create the new bodies who are then thrown and it just keeps happening it <laughs> like, just keeps escalating and it has to be experienced firsthand because it, it culminates in just a giant shootout where multiple clones of this guy <laughs> are shooting each other are all murdering each other. Yeah, it's great. But hey, Fran's getting that bread. She's on that grind set. Yeah, and Fran has so much money at the end. She no longer knows what's going on. Uh-huh. She doesn't care. I don't know which yeah. way's up anymore. But um, what has happened is apparently the degradation of um, having so many cloned bodies 
Um, apparently each time she was doing the procedure uh, afterwards, she's ruminating. You know, there's probably some like leftover aggression because nothing can perfectly be done. They were becoming more and more homicidal each time she did the procedure to the point that the people we have left are invalids in a mental asylum who can do nothing other than saying kill them all. Immune response had to be suppressed so that the bodies would take the new parts. Uh-huh. and not reject them so they you know they're now diseased psychotic murderous machines in a in a mental institution and i i just oh, remembered it's it's at this point it's revealed because okita goes like well i'm sure you made a lot of money from this right were you like doing that for reasons like i bought something that will revolutionize science oh my god i have a thing about this because my first like foray into nerdiness was dinosaurs and I've never lost that love and passion for um, uh, extinct uh, fauna. And I see this, like this shot of this fossil and I'm sitting there. It's like, okay, Frank and Fran is a supernatural universe because, you know, Fran existing already establishes that. But I'm sitting here like, that looks so fake. It's a fossil of an angel is what it is. And it's like the the skeleton is suspiciously perfectly preserved it looks posed and then there's this ammonite fossil in the corner that's like fossil.png just stuck on there and i'm (laughs) I'm sitting there like this looks so fake like am i supposed to take this seriously i turn the page and there is um okita saying saying, i don't have the heart to tell her this is obviously fake and i'm like sold best chapter ever that was a that was the best ending ever fran committed war crimes to fund her purchase of a clearly fake angel fossil because fran is a idealistic romantic who wants to believe it exists so she convinced herself it was scientific this is the most fran chapter it's everything about her personality just turned to 11 and shoved to the forefront it's it's the occasional reminder you need that fran is not an all-knowing genius (laughs) she makes mistakes which is why things go wrong a lot of time she is intelligence 20 wisdom (laughs) 2 Uh, anyway i hope you don't have a phobia of uh cockroaches because this next chapter who boy <laughs> speaking of hollow knight <laughs> i love the author's notes for this one because he mentions like as i was writing this chapter i started to think that the cockroaches were actually really kind of beautiful so i started like doing them in more detail <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh fran is commissioned by a pharmaceutical giant i think to develop a a super pesticide that will annihilate cockroaches at like the genetic level basically basically it's this super uh, yeah. bioweapon that will sterilize cockroaches off the face of the earth the genophage yeah <laughs> yes yes it's the genophage for cockroaches yeah fran heard this request and was just like you you want me to make super intelligent cockroaches? N- no, Fran, no one said that. <laughs> Why did you do that? No, uh, because- no, 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 uh, no, no, no. That's not what she heard. She's so she starts experimenting, you know, obviously trying to figure out, you know. Well, Fran's wh- like, this is the first non-surgery request I've had yeah. in like a year. It's an actual research grant. Ooh, this is going to be fun. And then she uses the money to do her own thing, because when they come to get the results of her research, she's just like, yeah, no. So I've been running them through mazes and they've gotten smarter. 
Why would you do that? what I wanted at all. (laughs) (laughs) Because uh, essentially what happens immediately is they break containment protocol. (laughs) Like, um, the woman who's there with her two lackeys um, essentially reveals that she was raised in a completely sterile environment. Mm-hmm. And thus is got a extreme germophobia, which she coalesces into. I hate cockroaches the most because they're so dirty, which arguably they're not really that dirty, but whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, <laughs> what cockroaches are associated culturally with decay. So. Well, yeah, that's they're they're associated culturally with it. And this woman is not exactly the most intelligent individual. No, she's a very rich person who um says it isn't it the duty of the people on top to help the smaller people all eradicate the cockroaches she was not just raised in a sterile environment she was also given a very elite education emphasis on elite um and so she actually like mentions the fact that the first time she came out to see like society she was like her she was visually disgusted mm-hmm. she, her superiority complex is big enough to eclipse the fucking sun yes <laughs> Anyway, the cockroaches breach protocol and are surrounding uh-huh. the building, to which she goes, what? Why is that even a thing that can happen? And Franz is like, I made super intelligent cockroaches. Why would you do that? <laughs> well, I needed to know if the cockroaches could sense the pesticides, so I created basically rat mazes for them where, th- where they had food at the end, and one of the foods was laced with pesticide and the other wasn't. And I guess they developed a resistance to the pesticide and also... They developed a hive mind, I yeah, think. They, they developed a hive mind. Because she makes a thing like, oh, yes, well, you know, your brain is just neurons firing. So if there are enough cockroaches in a concentrated area, clearly they'll also act as a human brain. Why would you think that? Also, Fran, why did you make super intelligent cockroaches? We really never answered that question. (laughs) Um, I don't think the question ever does get answered. So, Fran, why did you do this? Oh, hey, the cockroaches are sending over their demands. What? (laughs) What do you mean the cockroaches are making demands? Yeah, they send an email yeah they send an email they send an email i i think there's a throwaway line about how they're doing it is they're communicating with someone trapped on the other side like they're using them as a someone to send the commands over Uh or someone's translating what they're saying like something that yeah forms an email Uh and, and it's like we demand the right to life we demand the immediate cessation of the production of pesticide and its abolition and we demand that you turn over all war criminals. And Fran's like, okay, so what do you mean by war criminals? Are you really talking to the bugs? You're really negotiating with them? You're negotiating with terrorists! Terrorist bugs! That you created, also. <laughs> but, but like, I just love how Fran's first question is, what do you mean by war criminals? Because I've had that thrown at me a lot. I just want to make sure I'm not, you know, the problem <laughs> On the list. <laughs> Whoever is most responsible for the uh, production of this pesticide. And Fran's like, oh, well, I'm just a researcher. She's the one who funded me. <laughs> and yeah, the the uh, lackeys to the president um, immediately turn on her going like, nope, yep, we'll give her up. And she's like, what? And it's like, well, what are you going to do with her? Fran doesn't want anyone to die is her whole uh-huh. thing. Yeah. So she's just like her body will be used as sustenance so that we can lay our eggs in and produce more young. and. Fran's like, oh, that doesn't sound great, but, you know. 
But like, I mean, just turning her over would save more lives. So uh, she's, she's doing the math. And then um... when you give Fran a trolley problem, you know what she's going to pick. <laughs> yeah. So the three of them make a break for it, because essentially what the two others are doing is they're going no, to she, sacri- make, she makes a break for it. The other two follow her with the intent of capturing her, yeah, and yeah, yeah. eating her to the cockroaches. And then the cockroaches overtake them immediately because <laughs> they escape after and are chasing after her. And then we cut to Fran's guards burning ev- the cockroaches and the people and everything. Because oh, no, no, the people triggered the landmines. Oh, that's right. Because there's landmines around. Fran. Oh, my oh, God. Wouldn't there be? You're right. <laughs> she needs that protection. There, there's also fire on the cockroaches, though, because they have like a burn squad going after them. Uh-huh. It's like, OK, so uh, the humans actually survived all the burning the cockroaches as they spread out more their uh hive mind got disconnected and they just became regular cockroaches again i guess and a lot of and a lot of them burned in that explosion essentially fran was just like well good thing my new skin graft works perfectly the president just kind of unveils her bandages and she's like my skin is perfect wow like i think it's even better than it's like I'm a teenager again. It's she's like- slowly pulling off the bandages, and both she and the audience is expecting some Cronenberg horror, and it's and her skin is totally fine. Oh, it's so it's so supple. She's like it's she's like she's admiring her skin. She's cupping her own breasts, which is quite a page. Um, <laughs> yeah, and, no, no, normally in Frankenfran, when there's nudity, it's medical. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes it isn't. This is one of those pages. <laughs> Yeah, she's like, wow, it's almost like I'm a teenager again. And Fran's like, yeah, no, I'm pretty proud of this. After all, uh, cockroach chitin makes for a very great substitute for human skin. Or chitin. Chitin, yeah. That's it. I've heard it both ways. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah. Chitin's more fun to say. <laughs> and and it, and it cuts away. The two mooks, also with their skin restored, getting eaten by the cockroaches. And Fran going like, no, President, don't peel off your skin. I worked so hard on that. <laughs> well they're laughing at her yeah they're not being eaten by the cockroaches either i think they're just in a cockroach filled room because they also have the the cockroach yeah. skin on like yeah. i think they, they've just accepted that they are a part cockroach i was just gonna like comment on her absolute like disgust you know this is a woman who again was raised in a completely sterile environment completely disgusted with cockroaches and their very being and now is literally living as part cockroach as part cockroach a personal hell of her own creation yes, yeah. her personal hell <laughs> welcome to frank and fran i don't remember exactly when this is i don't remember if it's between chapters or if it's one of the like um the i think like, it's the bonus at the end of volume two if it's the scene i'm thinking of um because at one point we do uh catch back up with president chan getting a checkup on her skin and uh there has been a development (laughs) she started growing cockroach legs out of her dermis yeah (laughs) oh man this next chapter huh (laughs) fran does not take rejection well Uh, (laughs) this is another one of those happy endings I think it's happy. Fran runs into a, a a young girl being sad in the snow, and she's like, oh, is your doll broken? I can't really do anything about that. I work with flesh. And the girl's like, my brother has a severe heart disease, and the none of the doctors in Japan can help him. And Fran's like, a severe heart disease, you say? I can probably fix that. She walks into the hospital like, hey, give me this kid's brother so I can fix him. And the hospital director's like, oh, no, I know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> Let me pull out my pamphlet. 
fair reaction. Like, hospitals should have a warning, do not accept this person sign of her. Like, <laughs> yes. My favorite bit is in the panel where he's like, I know all about the horrid things you do, the crimes against nature you commit. And it's like showing the various horrific things that Fran has done in the past. I read it and, in here. And, and he holds up volume one of Frank and Fran. That's a really good panel. <laughs> Which means the manga diegetically exists in universe. Yep. I mean, fair. Fran did do a snuff film, so those covers make sense. Uh, that's true. That's true. So, yes, the manga in-universe is nonfiction and, and a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Fran doesn't really take being rejected well. Nope. The director's like, I would, have, I would have you arrested immediately if you didn't have a weirdly deep connection to the police. <laughs> How do you know the police that well? Well, if you read that... <laughs> manga you're holding <laughs> <laughs> so fran's like well i i mean i really want to help this kid but i guess i can't so whatever she uh, she looks up the doctor that in america that the kid is being sent to and is like well he does have a really good record i guess i can trust this to this guy kind of <laughs> i mean i could save them the like 16 million dollars by just doing this here but no they're gonna have they're gonna raise a whole bunch of money and send them to america yeah so and then the doctor gets shot in a carjacking yeah so there's a really weird panel because right before friends talking about like i'll figure something out and then we cut immediately to him getting shot in a carjacking did did fran do that I definitely don't think she did. That no. that seems so out of character. The manga definitely frames it as if that's a possibility, though, right? I'm not. Well, the yeah, manga, I mean, the manga frames it as a possibility, but it's also like given Fran's reaction, it seems like just a genuine act of fate. Yeah, because she looks genuinely shocked to hear this doctor was gunned down after she'd already resolved herself to the fact that he was going to perform the surgery. Like, like she's not happy that it happened either, because like it, it's it's very much the case where this kid was going to go to this guy. It's way more expensive, but uh, fine, I guess he's good enough. I'll leave it in his hands. And then he gets shot and like she's not happy that like this done deal is no longer a done deal because now she has to convince the hospital to uh, let her do it. Because she's still not allowed to. And essentially, like what it comes down to, like, they're not letting me. And she's talking to the sister because they have not left Japan yet. I don't. The brother is heading toward the plane to go to America, America. Uh huh. And, you know, Fran tries her last minute attempt, like, seriously, I can save him. And if he goes to America, the doctor who was going to do this is in critical condition. He survived like he survives the carjacking, which, again, is sort of the one where it's like, did Fran do that because he survived the carjacking? But like, I don't Fran, think so Fran knows a lot about this is the thing. <laughs> But we know but we know Fran has a truly inordinate amount of access to information, so. Yeah, it's it's one of those ones where, like, Matt, you are correct. You can interpret it that way. I personally don't because I think it's out of character for Fran, but it is framed that, to, to make you question that. And in like her depression about like, I can save him and now he's going to go with some kind of second rate surgeon. Uh, she talks to the sister who's just like, um, well, if my doll broke, I wouldn't get all upset about that. I'd just get a I'd just make a better doll. And Fran's just like, huh, make a better doll. I know exactly what you're telling me to do. Make super Quick. intelligent cockroaches? No, Fran, no. stop. Get off that. <laughs> <laughs> 
quick charter a plane to america you think that fran is just going to break into the hospital and fix the boy no fran breaks into the hospital and fixes the doctor who is gonna fix the boy like really fixes him too because i think she supercharged him with like yeah something's wrong with he's got like three eyes in one socket after she's done with him <laughs> yeah. no, the, like the next panel is him being like all right time to prep for surgery gotta do that gotta do that uh heart transplant in order to save this boy and all the nurses are like doctor you really shouldn't be up it's like been three days since you got shot and he's like what no i feel fine <laughs> and it cuts to his face where like one eye is crossed off to the side he might have two eyes in one socket or they it might be rolling so fast that it looks like it either way you're like oh fuck, this guy up somehow Obviously, this means the transplant is going to fail. No, he actually performs the transplant better than he ever possibly could have. The nurses say it's like he has been possessed by the god of medicine. To which the little girl knows deep in that Santa is real and says a prayer to who knew God. <laughs> that is Frankenfran, savior of her brother's life. There's this big media surge around it because it's like, honestly, as a former newsman, it's like, yeah, no, this is a great feel good story huge fundraising drive so the the community came together to raise the money to send this kid off to america to save his life and it was a success this is great hey well and also and also the doctor gets shot but recovers in time to do the surgery anyway exactly it is a it is a textbook front page story and so the reporter is like uh, sister of the sister of the miracle boy do you have anything you want to say i know you're like young so this is probably a bit over your head and the girl takes the microphone and says hey we're doll lady you helped make this happen didn't you thank you and fran just smiles and walks away like my work here is done it's a nice happy ending yeah ha happier if you, if you don't assume fran was the one who got the guy shot but yeah <laughs> happier if you don't look to the side of the panel where like all the people involved in this are happening during the news conference and you see dr jadral there with an eye patch over the the like two eye socket cackling like a madman i'm sure he's fine <laughs> that's fine he, he's fine I want to do more surgery. <laughs> Next episode's a two-parter, though, so that's fun. This could almost be described as an arc. It's got actual continuity. Because you all remember Detective Girl, right? Mm-hmm. Well, she shows up in part two of this. Uh, in part one, it's a, it's a classic of two boys are fighting over a girl, and the girl really cares for both of them. She just can't choose. Friends at high school again, too, for some reason. She got bored and decided to go to class. Why it's, not? It's real fun because she's reading her romance novel as she walks in on these two boys <laughs> fighting over this girl. And she goes, no, please don't fight over me. And they're like, why would we be fighting over you? <laughs> I, she's reading from a script. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, what am I supposed to say here? Oh, right. Uh, no, boys, don't fight over me. And I mean, to be fair, she does stop the fight because they're so derailed by this non sequitur that they do indeed stop punching each other. So, I mean, mission accomplished. And yeah, so the girl essentially just says, I don't know. I can't choose. They're both so great. I wish I could be with both of them. And Fran's like, dangerous medical procedure. And the girl's just like, I'll do anything. Dangerous medical procedure. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> 
Hey, hey, kids, you remember learning in uh, middle school biology about cell mitosis? Let's do that with an entire person. Yeah, because we cut. We cut to a week later. The boys have come to the lab to figure out what's going on. And they see the girl they're both into has like basically she's in like a vat of um like a yeah, science scoop, basically. And <laughs> she has almost completely mitosized in that there is two of her attached at the shoulder um, and the face. Yes, at the and yep. the side of the face is still fused. Yep, yep, yep. She's a full-on Siamese. Yep. Well, that's not the term anymore, but no, it's not. It's conjoined. It's conjoined. <laughs> They're both terrified by this crime of nature that's going on, and it's got a great line from Fran of like, "Oh no, are you embarrassed that you saw her naked?" They're like, "That's the last <laughs> thing that we were looking at, actually." <laughs> I understand this is an important time in the relationship. This is a against nature <laughs> also why is that one lab we passed by just labeled super intelligent cockroaches fran what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> anyway fran is like yeah so so mitosis am i right and they're like no <laughs> the girl finishes mitosizing and now has a twin stroke clone and it's like wait hold on Fran thought the crux of the problem was boys fighting over her. No, the crux of the problem was that girl could not choose. We now have two girls who can't choose. They essentially say, okay, well, one of you can go with the other and then you can both do. What Fran thought the problem was, was the girl didn't want to hurt one of them by choosing the other. She's just indecisive. No, the, the crux of the problem is girl wants both of them. Girl wants yeah. two hotties. Yep. Because so also both of the clones start fighting over who gets both of them, basically. Because um, essentially what also happens is uh, Fran makes a note about like, I think maybe the brain can't uh, duplicate itself perfectly. Their personalities appear to have um, differed slightly. So one of them is a little more passive and one of them is a little more argumentative. Or I think they're both argumentative, actually. One of them is more violent. Yeah, one it is one is more passive and one is more aggressive. But that doesn't mean that the passive one is completely without fire at all, because yeah. uh, they, them both acting like jerks causes the two boys to realize, you know, I maybe don't like you as much as I thought I did. And they turn to each other. We're still friends, right? Yeah, sure. Let's go. Yep. <laughs> no, that's great because they see the girls fighting and it gets to like extreme levels of violence because this is Frank and Fran. Grab a scalpels and start hacking each other oh, apart. Oh, what one of them grabs a scalpel and says, die, you skank. And I just had to s just stop reading to laugh right there because that line uh -huh. comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And the boys are like, okay. I know that we were the ones who kind of started this drama, but we don't want any more of this drama. We're outy. <laughs> like as they're leaving, it's like, hey, we're still friends, right? Yeah, let's let's hang out somewhere. Let's go to the arcade or something. Like, okay. Saying they have reached a new level of like understanding between the two of them. No one else is gonna understand this crazy. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, conveniently, like all crimes in Frank and Fran, uh, the problem murders itself out and the two dead bodies uh conveniently have enough parts to make one functioning girl again <laughs> yep and then everything wraps... solved wait hold on why is the next chapter called part two? Oh no oh no <laughs> this honestly i think is by far the most horrifying out of all of uh the chapters that we read like it, it, it opens up with the girl getting murdered by a guy in an alley like 
Uh-huh. Like real Freddy Krueger style. Oh yeah, yeah. You got the you got the claw hands and everything, and she is dismembered. Mm-hmm. Fear not. Detective Kuho's on the case. Stop, yep. you monster. And then France is like, why are you uh, holding a gun up to Rugrats? Fran. She's like, Fran, you, all the various crimes you've committed, now you've killed this girl? It's like, I guess I've killed this girl. Sickly. What do you mean you guess you've killed her? Well, I really just eliminated a few clones. What? What? Fran, what? Also, why does that bag you're holding say super intelligent cockroaches? Fran! <laughs> okay, okay, Matt, I think you're holding onto that one a bit hard. No. <laughs> I mean, I want to see Cockroach Coon back, but... But anyway, Cockroach Coon isn't actually in this chapter because uh, yeah. it is it is uh, literally hundreds of clones of Yoka. In putting the two mitosis clones back together, they retained the uh, ability to... Um, I don't know what the verb form of mitosis is, but... Um, Split, essentially. Yeah, yeah. they can they can infinitely mitosize or whatever. It's one year before, like, the entire world is overrun. Yeah, because Fran does the math of the exponential growth of it. Because essentially what happened was she was keeping her for observation, realized she could split, and then didn't realize that she had been splitting for a while already and had escaped. Well, there were some clones who would, like, or one divisions that, like, would hide in different areas of the lab, divide, and then those divisions would go off. And then, like, she eventually just lost track of what, who was dividing and how many divisions there were. Yeah, so there's a, there is a essentially, potentially infinite number of these girls out there that need to be tracked down and disposed of because if they reproduce infinitely, the world will be overrun by them. It's overpopulation with one person. Yes. But is it murder? Technically. Yes. Yes, 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 it yes is. objectively. <laughs> but isn't it is it not for the greater good, detective girl? She's like, I don't know, Fran, you're very convincing. What if I gave you super surgery powers? Fran, Wait, I really what? don't want to do this. <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? I mean, I could give you a sensory organ that would let you really efficiently track down these clones and also a give you a hit of dopamine uh, to your brain. <laughs> So you don't freeze up under pressure. I, I don't think I want that too late. I did it. What? <laughs> well, and technically, technically, she does go, well, I guess. And that's enough. <laughs> and for the next 10 weeks, there is a strain of insane murders where girls are being hunted down and killed by these phantom, uh, these phantom butchers that fade away into the night until suddenly they vanish leaving nothing but terror in their wake and the cops can't do anything about them it's almost like they've got someone on the inside yep. you're always one step ahead of the cops oh and it's uh and like that's all horrifying enough but then we get to the end and um friends uh... like by the way there was a potentially infinite number of um targets so I also did something else when I did your surgery and there were a potentially infinite number of hunters. Fran, what did you do? <laughs> I just cloned you a bunch. So um, you get to pick of, who your body is. Which one of you wants to survive the most? And then she then has to hunt down herself. Oh, no, she doesn't even need to hunt them down because they're all right. They're all the locked yep, up yep, together. Yep, yep, yep. She, she and, gathered them all up. And then we cut back to a uh, detective girl talking with the police chief. 
uh, who's like, hey, so you're better after getting committed to the hospital, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I just got a bit of a headache. I need to take some aspirin. Why do I keep having dreams of Fran? I feel like I'm forgetting something really important. Fran's a great friend. <laughs> that is that is the end of that. And uh, wow, that one was... <laughs> something. Great. Honestly, that's the one that got a got a horror reaction out of me the most because like... Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Because, like, in a lot of ways, like, not to disparage body horror, it's just not really my thing. Um, you know, it's like when you do an anthology when it's all body horror, I kind of got desensitized to it pretty quickly. You know, like, it's all really great art and I enjoyed it just fine, but it was a lot of cases the humor was what got me more so than anything else. But this one actually legitimately horrified me. That one got under my skin. Yep. Metaphorically, maybe you just forgot, Jacob. <laughs> okay wait a minute maybe you have super intelligent cockroach skin <laughs> Jacob, now that would get you, under my skin I, I need you to look behind you uh did you <laughs> notice the closet behind you has a uh, tape on the door that says super intelligent cockroaches <laughs> oh god <laughs> anyway. i knew there was a reason i stacked all those boxes against my closet <laughs> anyway we have one more chapter left in our reading so let's introduce a new main character yeah <laughs> <laughs> right at the end there Yep, time for Veronica. Who uh, introduces herself as another daughter of uh, Dr. Um, Madaraki. Uh, and she is a newer creation, so she is Fran's little sister. Except unlike Fran, who's all about preserving life and advancing science in order to continue the preservation of human life, uh, Veronica is designed to kill. Yeah, she is designed to keep Dr. Madaraki safe, and so she is a perfect weapon of war. Mm -hmm. Through extreme ultraviolence. Yep. Her her arms are scythes. She looks like an Edgar Allan Poe nightmare because <laughs> she just produces guillotines from her shoulders. And um, she was uh, sent to go seek out Fran. We get a bit of a, a philosophical debate between the two of them because um, Veronica stumbles across a bunch of campers and uh, ends up annihilating them. Uh, pretty severely. The other thing that happens is when uh, Veronica arrives, she disables the mansion security system and dismembers one of the one of the Cronenberg horror family members of Franz. And even uh, though he should be able to regenerate, he uh, for some reason can't. Yeah, it's it's Aslan. I think is the yep. I I think he's the one who is the eye in the middle of like a cross shape helmet kind of thing. And uh, Fran's very not happy about this situation. As she is examining Aslan, uh, she finds that there was a, a transmitter in his body mm -hmm. that was sending out signals. Veronica returns as Fran is, air quotes, saving the, the campers that had been obliterated. Because this is when they have the speech with each other about like, yeah, so I found the transmitter in uh, Aslan, so clearly he was a spy. Uh, and I guess these campers also had like foreign passports. Like they were spies also for some reason. Yeah, they were they were to whom the transmissions were being sent. Yep, yep. And so she's essentially going like, you just you weren't like mindlessly slaughtering. You were killing people you thought had done wrong and like were. So she's like, you're not like some kind of murder bot, but don't you understand life is important and um i'm going to keep them alive no matter the cost and veronica's like my warrior's code will not allow me to have a opponent to suffer and fran just goes like who cares about suffering they're alive like look at my human centipede i've created <laughs> <laughs> and um 
one of the things that I really like about it is um, while they're having this philosophical debate, Veronica points out the very true fact that um, what you're doing is causing them to suffer. Wouldn't it mm -hmm. be better if their suffering just ended? And she talks about how awful these people are and how much of a plague that humanity is, that incredibly tired metaphor of humanity being a disease. And Fran points out that thing that Miyazaki films always conclude on, that basically everything that tries to crib from them always forgets. Humans are actually a natural product of this planet. And while, yes, we have the capacity to do very horrible things, life is still important. And preserving it and trying to make things better for as long as you can is worth something in and of itself. Which is which was a really nice message. Unfortunately, it's coming from Fran as she's created a human centipede, <laughs> which and, is actively begging for death. And, you know, I, I really like the subtlety of this because to some extent, this is another case where like Fran has dropped the nice girl uh, uh, attitude. And because she knows what these people did, she saved their lives. But, you know, they were trying to steal from the doctor. So a little pain and suffering is is in her mind due. Like, Fran thinks no. people should be punished for doing bad things. She just doesn't believe death should ever be on the table. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Which, for a now, surgeon who specializes in reanimation, makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, like, it's it's weird because I'm, I'm just going to say, on the absolute surface level, I agree with Fran's philosophy that life should be preserved at all costs. Because I'm of the opinion that so long as one is alive, one can strive to improve their situation. It's just then Fran actually practically makes that happen and you see the suffering get worse. <laughs> like Veronica does bring up a good point that like you're making these people hurt more. Yeah, which is actually a big reason of why I really enjoyed this manga, because Fran basically serves as a counterpoint to one of my own philo philosophical beliefs, and I enjoyed being challenged like that. That's sort of the really cool thing, because as as wacky and as um, out there, as horrifying as it gets, there is like a philosophical thesis statement in this story. You know, the cases where it does decide to get philosophical, that's not done farcically. And you know, like, I, I don't I don't believe that Veronica or Fran are entirely in the right. It's a, it's a very interesting question. And using the lens of this science fiction madness really does, you know, illustrate the point that it's not as simple as, you know, the black and white that these two represent. Existing, yeah. Uh, Fran also uh, added a shock collar to Veronica to to zap her if she kills people uh, again. Mm -hmm. So that's also a thing that happens. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And, and Veronica does have a moment where she's like, at the very least, because of my warrior's code, I strive to kill as efficiently as possible to minimize suffering. Bad Veronica, zap. <laughs> nope, stop killing people. <laughs> but yeah, uh, that's that's where the volume ends on. It's um. Not made inherently clear, but it, it's pretty much Veronica does live at the mansion moving forward. So she, you, you get some fun interactions with her. Yep. But uh, the next chapter is uh, her. Um, it's the bonus chapter. Yep. Yeah, we it's, get the bonus chapters, which starts off with um, Veronica's process of getting to the mansion. Veronica's backstory is she was in a Wild West. It's literally just a Wild West story, actually, of lone gunman comes into town zombies attack she kills all the zombies the town is afraid of her because she's a murderer and she moves on 
She she wandered into Red Dead Redemption zombies. Well, and I mean, like the thing that the thing that the town is scared of is that she doesn't look that different from the zombies. Like she's stitched together instead of falling apart. Mm -hmm. But she looks like an undead, too, and they react poorly to her. I really like like this is this is one of the more effective, like horror short stories. Mm. She she specifically classifies the undead as ghouls, which for you non horror connoisseurs out there, the difference being that. um, And yes, I know zombies are supposed to be brains and, you know, consuming the living, but ghouls in a mythological sense, are the ones more associated with cannibalism. So Romero is what made that change culturally. Yeah. yeah. So these are very specifically actively violent undead coming to murder and eat people. And uh, Veronica saves this town and she's like uh, and like as she is like saved a little boy from the last of the ghouls that she brings down, she's like, uh, Sorry to to intrude, but could I have some water? And uh, the the mother of the boy uh, is still freaking out and tells her to leave you, monster. It, she also it, has an adorable puppy friend that I yeah. love. In all fairness, they do tell her to leave and call her a monster because she is currently a whirling dervish of uh, <laughs> a of death. Yeah, like. <laughs> Uh-huh. I mean, the intent of that is clear. They are like, in, in spite of the actions that she did showing that she's not a monster, they judged her by her appearance. Mm -hmm. It's yep. one of those, it's one of those, like, it It only has so many panels to work with, but tells its story really efficiently. Like, that's that's just a really good, ex actually, yeah, that's actually something that is pretty consistent, because, like, anthology stories can have, um, like, pacing issues sometimes. Um and like the the story pacing of even like the two page horror stories were all very, very good. Like that's that's one of the strengths of Frank and Fran. And I think one of the reasons why, despite it not really being my style, it was so easy for me to get into it. Mm hmm. Speaking of those two-page horror stories, we got some good ones at the end of volume two. <laughs> we do. Uh, uh -huh. yeah. the, the first one is my favorite. <laughs> it's What's uh, the the little boy uh the woman uh this is a famous uh, this is a famous japanese monster um it's the woman with the mask and she says do you think i'm pretty and then she takes the mask off and it's revealed like a huge like horrible multi-toothed face and like do you still think i'm pretty with the idea that like um i i forget what the chant you're supposed to say is like you're supposed to say yes or no because it it, but what he's he immediately goes is like, oh, yeah, you're my favorite monster. <laughs> this is my fetish. And she's very weirded out by this. <laughs> OK, you little pervert, go away. He starts jumping into yeah. her mouth and is like, you pervert. <laughs> yes, eat me, mommy. It's take those jaws and gobble me up. And she's like, oh, oh no. And then as he's being eaten, oh, yeah, this rules. Yeah, and then it ends. I, it ends with her just saying in disgust, "You pervert." Well, my night's over. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I, it's because the the entire point of that thing is supposed to be like it's a very well worn trope that gets ruined because someone like really displays their fetishes. Yep. <laughs> and Look, as we've as we've clarified before, we do not we do not um, shame shame on this podcast. <laughs> Well, all, all in saying, one, maybe. <laughs> what, when did Frank and Fran come out again? Uh, 2006, I believe. All right. So Frank and Fran really uh, predated and therefore presaged the monster <laughs> phenomenon. <laughs> the shape of water crowd.
<laughs> yes. We don't talk about that, okay? I was deeply disturbed, and Matt was just like, what do you mean? It's a beautiful story. I'm like, no. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I guess the critically acclaimed story was stupid and weird, and no one yes. liked it. Oh, oh, wait, no. I guess everyone else is wrong. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time. Okay. I like Guillermo del Toro, and I've not seen that movie, but I... It's wrong. It's a it's a really good movie about um, outsiders coming together. Unfortunately, one of the outsiders makes a fish man, but also there, it's a beautiful story in Matt. In spite of that, but Matt, you say that like I haven't taken numerous screenshots of Sidon from Breath of the Wild. Oh, fair, fair. <laughs> Again, we don't kink shame, no matter how tempted we are. No matter how much we want to, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> back to the completely normal Frankenfriend where nothing weird happens. The next uh, mini story is actually pretty normal. It's a hiker gets lost in the woods and gets distracted to come to a hearing because he hears um, help coming from it. Yes, yeah, someone is yelling help. And when he gets to the clearing, it's a bunch of zombies that yell help. And he's just like, well, I fucked up. <laughs> Guess I'm beyond help. Well, they're learning. They learn that people come running when people scream mm -hmm. help. I, I actually really like how stoic this guy is. And and like, it's the literal definition of stoicism where he's like, well, I accept this situation. Uh, next one's pretty good. It's the um, girls swim class going like, ew, there's a peeper out there. He's looking at us through the window and they're like, we're on the 11th floor. <laughs> like, we're on the 11th floor. How is, oh no, this is someone who hanged themselves up. Yep. The window. Oh God. <laughs> yep. That's a really long rope too. This guy wanted his neck to break. This this guy knew what he was doing, probably, but it's like reminder that the way the gallows kills you is not actually strangle strangulation, but by breaking your neck. This guy made sure. Yeah, it's supposed to be quick. That's the reason why people do it. But yep. Then there's the uh, spirit photography one, which is the guy investigating because this is another like Japanese urban legend about like the photo of people that the more you look at it, they, they come closer and closer until they um, kill you. I believe it's also it was like an early Internet thing where the Microsoft uh, Rolling Hills background, there was the one you could get where it was the um, it had like someone standing on the hill and it would update. <laughs> just to freak people. Yeah, so we so we have a fatal frame creepypasta happen. Yeah, and essentially what the the point of this is that when you open it the last time, they reach through the photo and kill you. But he opens up the photo and the monster that's supposed to jump out is being killed by Scissor Girl because that's what yeah, she does. By Scissor Eye Patch Girl. <laughs> yes, thank you, Kill a Kill Reject. I appreciate your existence. <laughs> uh, next one is really somber. It's um, about a suicide victim jumping in front of a train. And uh, the crew who has to clean these up is putting their mask on. It's just like, oh, geez, you're just making more of a mess. Oh, it's a girl. Geez, I hate it when this happens. And they're cleaning up the things. Sure, and then the sure next has been a lot of these lately. Yeah, the next page is um, bags already full. Stop bitching and keep picking up. And we see down the line, it is just dead bodies over and over littering the train track. We can't keep the train stopped forever. It's the fields of Verdun, but just a train track. It's dark. Yeah, yeah, it, it's great fridge horror because the more you think about it, the worse it gets. Oh, man. Next one is um, the two moms at the park where one of their uh, young sons has run off on his own. And they're like, hey, you got to be careful. There's like creepers all around or there's perverts looking for kids. 
uh, didn't you see the news? And then he coughs up, um, he's choking and he coughs up what is someone's finger? And the oh. mom goes, who, whose finger is that? And then we get an off screen scene of people screaming at what we assume is a dead body from where this kid just came running from. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I really like these little two page horror stories because they 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 do great subtle horror. Mm-hmm. You know, that whole philosophy of the less you explain, the scarier it gets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's those, and then also yeah. Eye Patch Scissor Girl also happens sometimes to make it really funny. Yeah, well, it, it's it's kind of the Hitchcockian idea of suspense, where it's like, if a bomb suddenly goes off, that's startling the first time, but it doesn't really stick with you. But if you're told that a bomb will go off in 10 minutes, you have 10 minutes of suspense. And so it's the, these really subtle implications that something is very wrong without any greater explanation and that lets your imagination just go insane yeah i i want to like run a tabletop rpg set in the land of that train that's stopped by infinite dead bodies (laughs) dude that that is something straight out of the magnus archives oh but anyway that's uh that's the end of volume two yes it is and that's the end of our reading well, there's a there's another one with the detective who can see ghosts that we get a little bit more body horror to end oh, it off yeah, with. Yeah. But that's where that's where we get the uh, this town is screwed up, which I agree. Perfect way of ending volume two. Yeah, we talked about that one when we uh, did the first one. Actually, we kind yeah. of just looped into it. But um, yeah. But so yeah, that's the end of our reading. So uh, favorite character, everybody. I mean, ob- the obvious answer is Fran, because she is the most consistently appearing character and the most consistently charming character in the entire manga. So to move beyond the obvious, I am going to say, I really like Okita, you know, having done this podcast for a while, uh, (laughs) I have found that I actually really like the straight man characters in these kinds of manga that rely on absurd situations, because it's nice to have someone who's, more grounded than everything else in the universe and is able to look at the insanity and go, hey, that's fucked up, isn't it? It's one of those ones where when that sort of self-awareness is done correctly, it helps the suspension of disbelief so you can just enjoy the wacky. Exactly. It's the same effect as Shinpachi, except instead of acknowledging the ridiculousness as being funny, it's acknowledging, okay, this is actually like really horrific and scarring, right? We we all agree on this, right? And nobody <laughs> agrees with him. And he's like, OK, sure. <laughs> OK, fine. I guess I'll just accept this then. So, yeah, uh, obvious choice being Fran, less obvious choice being Okita. Uh, Jay, I'm curious, who's your favorite character? Damn it, Sam, you just took it. Um, so, <laughs> yes, I would have to 100 percent agree that Fran is my number one in this set of reading. Um, uh, later on, I have some other characters that have not yet to be introduced. But um, Okita is definitely, he remains at my top second, just because he's he is the, the voice of reason of all the really screwed up crap that's happening right now. And yeah, I, I just love him. Matt, what do you think? So, I mean, Fran's an obvious choice. Uh, <laughs> Um, I feel a little bit remiss. We only read the first two volumes because I also really like Veronica as a character, but not based on what she did in the one chapter she's in. So um, <laughs> uh, she's 
pretty great but um if i had to pick from this reading uh pull uh, uh police girl this isn't helsing uh detective <laughs> girl um is uh probably my favorite uh just as a recurring character because um i really appreciate uh when she's there because she's normally a comedy beat because normally she's a normal person who ends up at the butt of fran's nonsense and normally suffers from it but it's normally in like a comedic way yeah which which kind of like a lot of her stories, if she wasn't like overreacting to how like in a bad situation we was, it'd just be really dark or it'd be Fran just doing everything without like anyone bumping up against her. And that's not yeah. really great. So she um, who's who's the one from Chainsaw Man? Um, Kobeni. Yeah, yeah. She's like a more <laughs> likable Kobeni in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Oh, you. What do you mean you, more likable? Yeah, you Excuse don't make me. a lot of friends on the internet, Jacob, not liking Kobeni. Um, <laughs> I explained why I didn't like Kobeni in our first episode of Chainsaw Man. Those people also heard you explain it. They still disagree with you. <laughs> they have every right to be wrong. <laughs> but anyway, continue. Damn it, Jake, get out of my head. You took all my quips. Uh, but was no. there anything else, Matt? That was Jay. Or, no, it's me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was unaware who was talking. No, uh, yeah, uh, Detective Girl's pretty good. Um, if I had to pick like a character I really liked in this, um, uh, whatever that monster from the uh, painter, I I really like her. She's just got a great design, and the subtle horror of what is going on is mm. it really sticks with me. I would say the monster in that in that um, case. Um, I know that we're not on the next question yet. Did nothing wrong. Like no. at all, just happened to exist. This guy is like really crushing on you hard, and you're just like, um. Well, she yeah. seems into him. Like they're cuddling at the end. Yeah. Unless he just sees it as cuddling, and it's actually some kind of horrible brain eating thing. But who knows? Yeah. Well, um, literally, do not know. Yeah, <laughs> that's the, sort the, of the point. The closest we get is his weird crying when he says that's my paradise, but that's also could just be his eyes are weird cuz his tears come down in like a full sheet is the weird thing, but uh-huh. that's getting a bit into it. But uh Jacob is a thing. Yeah, um so yet again, Fran is obviously not just like one of the few main characters who is recurring but also just a great character in general. So how can you not love Fran? And honestly, despite the fact that we didn't see very much of her, I do think Veronica is a really interesting character because in a lot of ways, Veronica is the only character who has shown up that can actually challenge Fran directly on an ideological level because everyone else, like when Fran gets serious, she kind of shows that she is way more in control than everyone else seems to realize. Like when things go wrong, it's because she doesn't think about the consequences later. But like... If there's a problem to solve now, Fran's got it covered. So um, Veronica being able to more directly challenge Fran, um, I really appreciated it. I really liked the um, bonus chapter with her, Um, you know, really quick, really subtle, really snappy, got to the point fast. Um, But um, I also really liked the the characters that stood out to me was um, Tajima from the second case and um his girlfriend whose name i can't recall and then the the two um kids who um uh switch genders the four of them of all of the like one-off characters are definitely the ones that stood out the most to me i i I guess i'm as much of a romantic as fran is (laughs) maybe not the same kind of romantic but you know to the same degree i mean i'm glad you said it jake otherwise i would (laughs) have 
so uh favorite yeah yeah case is better to say because we actually have two parters and follow-ups so yeah favorite case um it's like i said uh head girl dude that murdered the girl because psychopathy mm-hmm. and and she turned into a she basically turned into the carrion monster that's my favorite. It's like I said earlier in this episode, it really fits. It really feels like the mangaka hit his stride on what he wanted this concept to be. And that was just the peak of, yes, this is what Frank and Fran is supposed to be all the time. Give me more of this. Uh, Jay, what's your favorite case? So I would have to say beautiful world. Um, just the fact that we do not know what the outcome was and just the visceral mm-hmm. sense of dread. That's my easy second place because I'm a huge sucker for Lovecraftian cosmic horror. It's Lovecraftian cosmic horror with a happy ending. That shouldn't be possible. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes chap- not knowing is beautiful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and Ignorance that- is bliss. Yeah. Ignorance <laughs> is bliss. To quote, um, Quanchi? Quanchi. Quanchi. Yep. Also love that one because it activates my almonds. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe if he were to find out the truth, it would like literally break him. Yeah, that he's been fucking a bear. <laughs> I mean, or I, don't, I, I very strongly doubt it's a bear because I just the response from Okita is just like, this is not a bear. This is not a normal woodland creature. Maybe, maybe Okita's really afraid of bears. <laughs> nah, nah, he's a fifth dimensional space squid and being inside her causes his penis to split across the timeline. Whew, that's, that's a take. Vivid. <laughs> Editing Sam in the future. Uh, do what you want with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's staying in. Uh, Jacob, what's your favorite case? Hands down, easy, 100%. It was the Mafia one. Um, it is not indicative to the normal, like, Frankenfran. And I was going to shout out a bunch of other cases, uh, including the ones already mentioned. There's a lot of them. Like, honestly, the only one I was not particularly happy with was the second one. And, you know, we've already discussed, you know, that uh, to a fair uh, degree. So it's like I was going to shout it out, but then I realized I'm going down the list and like I'd want to shout out this and this and that. Like, I I loved a lot of them. But man, the one that like, it's so funny. <laughs> like, it, it's so funny. And it ends on Fran just being so wrong. And like, it's so funny because of that. Like, it's like it, it it's so much the case where like as I was reading it. You know, like this was like even a lot of the dark stuff was relatively funny. I'm going through this and I'm enjoying it just fine. This was the first point and the the point where I just strong just strongest bust a gut laughing uncontrollably. And then the thing that sealed it for me is I was gonna go on a pedantic rant about how the angel fossil was clearly fake. And then they <laughs> say that the angel fossil was fake and that the, the manga was in on the joke there too. And I'm like, this is flawless, man. I don't care what you say. It it again, it activated your almonds. <laughs> it activated all my almonds. I'm just saying, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I mean, ignorance is bliss. She'd already bought the fossil at that yep. point. You can, you can make a argument that doesn't require a lot of effort to support that ignorance is bliss is a major theme of this manga. Yes, it absolutely. really is, isn't it? 
All right. Hey, Matt, what's your favorite case? Uh, so, I mean, the ones everyone else have named have just been really good cases, and I would argue they're actually better than the one I'm going to pick. I really loved Unhappy Birthday, just because it's it hits the parody so well mm. of, like, a case-closed setup for everything, and then just rips away that so Fran can be super smart, and then also has that, like, bit at the end where it's just, by the way, I've reanimated the murder victim. Problem solved. Just... <laughs> it's equal amounts disturbing with a like i've fed you my daughter and like but also just funny because it keeps hitting the beat so well yeah because uh, yeah. it never we don't know she's just indefinitely reanimated or probably uh, like, yeah yeah just... no, no reason to think she isn't like fran yeah. Yeah. does it pretty quick yeah the only time fran says she has trouble reanimating people is in the first chapter and in all fairness in the author's notes we get the thing that that was a pilot so mm -hmm. I don't think you should take what Fran says about reanimation yeah. too seriously, because I think that's changed from the pilot to the main series. So, well, there's yeah. also the, there's also the case. The thing that she says was so hard about it is that he um, he, he wanted died a him... while ago. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of the other cases where she, you know, sidesteps that reanimating is hard bit is because someone either died recently or was put on ice immediately. Yeah, as in yeah. It's like someone died in the last 15 minutes. Okay, that I can work with. Or mm -hmm. she's been in the freezer this entire time. So fair. Exactly. Um, and then if I'm just going to pick one to be funny, um, I really, really like the bonus chapter with the, 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 guy, the kid who says, use those jaws and gobble me up. <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty I don't think, here. I, I don't think yep. anyone can really comprehend how much I love that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. I'm just yeah, saying no. that th that monster probably had to take a very long cold I, shower after I'm, that. I'm, I'm just saying. Um, Needed to brush your teeth for a long time. That that comic has given me the new survival strategy. If I ever arrive in a horror movie, is what if I just really come on to the monster chasing me? It might work. I'm just work. saying, not related. That is totally my strategy whenever I go into ha haunted houses, and it works fabulously. Is to come on to the performer? Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're trying to like freak you out and scare you. And it just like they're just taken off guard and like, well, this is awkward. <laughs> well, you know okay. what? Uh, you know what? I think that's a great note to end on. Thank you everyone for listening to the Overmanga cast. I hope you're enjoying spooky months so far. So make sure to follow us on all of the social medias where we are at Overmanga cast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, use those to interact with us and tell us our opinions are bad and that your opinions are correct. Uh, uh, yell at me for not liking Kobene on uh, YouTube. Mm -hmm. exactly uh youtube is a great place to interact with us we read every comment on the youtube videos they're a bit behind in the release schedule as the uh podcast ones but hey yep and also if you want to review episodes that as they come out a uh, pod chaser allows you to do individual episodes as well as a uh, full series and also we really appreciate those get a nice uh star ranking for us and um if you have uh uh it's not itunes anymore it hasn't been itunes for years uh if you use apple podcast um you can review us on that as well next week we don't have uh anything in particular to look forward to it's not something to get really excited about and really hyped about because everything is fine 
Yep. Uh, we will be <laughs> reading the webtoon. Uh, everything is fine. So um, there is literally no excuse for you guys not to read along with us. It's available <laughs> free on the Internet, except uh, we are reading chapters or uh, what are episodes, episodes one through twenty nine, which uh, brings us to the end of part one of that series. And if you're looking right now, dear listener, you might go, wait, hold on. Episode twenty nine isn't out yet. We bought the fast pass so that we can read it, but you won't need to because uh, the last chapter comes out October 17th and uh, next episode is due out October 21st. So read to the end, get to the end of part one, and we will all talk about it together uh, next week. These are the links we go to to bring you top quality content. We actually pay for things on the Internet. I know it's weird. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Uh, Good night, everybody. Good night.